If we want to list every way Spreaker can help podcast publishers, well, we need a podcast of our own. Whether you're in charge of long-running series with extensive backlogs or countless limited series, you can organize and monetize your entire catalog with Spreaker. With Spreaker's customizable publisher plan, you can add collaborators, analyze extensive listener analytics, and even share exclusive content through custom RSS feeds. And that's just for starters. Head to Spreaker.com to learn more. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R dot as mentioned in episode three, the 1990s brought in a hell of a new wave of creative directors and writers who basically lived off the independent film circuit. They were grittier films with lower budgets, and the reason for this was because the 1980s was known as this era where they took, where the studio systems took back the independence of the filmmaker of the 1970s and kind of created huge, big Hollywood films again. And I use the word Hollywood with italics and air quotes and the whole bit. This episode, we're going to go through all the Oscar-winning films of the 1980s, discuss the winners, and I'm going to do so with a guest host. Welcome to episode four of Mr. Lou's Movie and Music Review. My name is Mr. Lou. I am part of the Rambling Network, and uh, you can hear me every Friday on the Rambling Alcoholics. Today, we are doing films of the 80s, every single nominated film of the 1980s for the Oscar. And um, today, I have a special guest with me. You may know him on the Rambling Alcoholics as the one, the late, but I'm sorry, the great, but still not late. Mr. Gary, how are you today? I'm doing great. Very good. So you heard what we're going to be doing today. Um, any thoughts before we start here? No, I'm very interested to talk about this because well, I have a lot of things to say. <laughs> I know, I know. for example, uh, 1981, which is going to be the films from 1980, we've discussed it quite a, quite a bit over the past you know, 20 years that you and I have known each other. So... Why don't we get on with that and find out what those nominated films were? Lillian Gish presented this in 1981, and from watching her on YouTube, how do you think she looks? Old. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Coal Miner's Daughter, a biography of the Richard Inn and her rise from obscurity to fame. And Bernard Schwartz, Universal Pictures Production. Victories in 
greatest losses in life. A Robert Shawtoff, Irvin Wicklet production, United Artists. Robert Shawtoff and Irwin Winkler produces. Ordinary people. You and I have debated this forever. It's like I, ever since you and I have known each other, I think we've always kind of had different ideas as to who should have won this year. Uh, to recap, uh, best pictures were uh, Tess, Raging Bull, Ordinary People, The Elephant Man, and Coal Miner's Daughter. First, did you like the nominees? Um, three. <laughs> um. I'll, tell, I'll start off right now saying, you know, Coal Miner's Daughter was a very good film. Um, Ordinary People, Raging Bull definitely were the top films of the year. But um, I think um, I would throw out Tess. I, yeah, I And I, I would throw out The Elephant Man, actually. Really? I thought uh, John Hurt's performance was amazing, but I found the movie a little slow-moving and boring. I would replace these movies with uh, two pictures that... Maybe gone forgotten, but the great Santini. Yes, I agree with you. And the John Cassavetes classic Gloria would be in those would be those uh, replacements, as far as I'm concerned. Right, but and and I agree with you. I wouldn't I wouldn't you know mm-hmm. disagree with you at all on those, especially because those both those films you know became kind of cult classics later, and, mm-hmm. and they became like critical darlings you know afterwards. But remember, this is this is again. The the what I called in my last episode the effect of the whole uh, Michael Cimino <laughs> effect. You know they weren't gonna let artistic films like like Gloria, mm-hmm. you know, kind of take over now because of what you know mm-hmm. what happened and what occurred. But I will agree with you that if those were my top five picks, I would definitely put in the Great Santini, mm-hmm. especially because of Robert Duvall's work mm-hmm. and um, yes, most definitely Gloria. Ordinary people won that year, though. Okay, and that's basically in, in the end, when push comes to shove, it all comes down to Raging Bull and Ordinary People for me. Right. Um, ordinary People, I had the pleasure of reading the book, actually, um, about maybe three or four years after the movie came out. You know, the book came out actually four years before the movie, but right. I was only, you know, like nine, ten years old when <laughs> the movie came out. But <laughs> um, it's a tough pick for me. I... As I stated, I have no problem with ordinary people being named best picture, as I wouldn't have had a problem had Raging Bull edged it out. It's just it's a tough pick for me. I think they're both fantastic films in two different ways. Um, you know, I mean, I always described it. You know, the the ordinary people was like the cry from the suburbs. You know, the the upper middle class family. You know, Raging Bull was more of like a howl from the gutter. <laughs> both excellent. Both. I mean, it's. I'm not going to sit there and say one film was better than the other. I think that they're both outstanding films. and um, It's a tough one, the, right? Yeah, and that's where I kind of leave it. I mean, as far as, you know, we all know Robert Redford won Best Director for yeah, Ordinary People. Was... I still, I would have, definitely I would have given it to Scorsese for Raging Bull. I think Scorsese, 
I'm not going to knock Redford's direction work. It was his directorial debut, but I think Scorsese and Raging Bull really pulled off. I mean, everything that he had done prior to that point had come full circle by Raging Bull. Right. So. And, and I think, yeah, I mean, the, the, you know you know me, especially because I'm a big fanatic of, of uh, the filmmakers of the 1970s and, and even people like in the 50s like Eliot Kazan who pushed envelopes and, and you know, you know, Billy Wilder, who was another guy that was, you know, terrific at pushing subjects and, and coming up with such incredibly complex characters and innovative films that had nothing to do with the mainstream at that time. He wasn't making Hollywood films, let's, you know, just to be blunt. Um, that is why, for me, still, I mean, as much as, and, and I've actually reviewed Ordinary People on my, on my uh, Facebook site on this, and gave it a very favorable review. I think it's an an incredible film, and I and I agree with you on just every aspect. For me, though, it, it should have been Raging Bull. It 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 was it, it's it's kind of like to me it hark. I wouldn't say it harkens back that badly. I mean, it's actually an awful comparison, but it's like to say you know was was uh, Kramer versus Kramer better than Apocalypse Now? <laughs> yeah. You know, and and to me, you know, when when I see both films, and I enjoy both films very much, I I really. I don't know. I, I, you, you know, some people have actually called Raging Bull overrated, and I think that's a lot of the kind of the consensus lately among younger writers because you know they all want to sit there and make a name for themselves, so they're all they all spit at you know Godfathers and Raging Bulls, and you know want to have to want to have their you know millennial films as, as part of that that echelon. But that's a whole other discussion. 81, we're still going to keep disagreeing on this, I guess. <laughs> I don't think we necessarily disagree, because I don't disagree with you that Raging Bull should have been Best Picture. I mean, I, like I said, I, I think they're just both... I mean, if I was on the voting board, I would have probably been on the fence right up to the bitter end. I probably would have flipped the coin. It's probably what I would have done. <laughs> I, I, I think that's I think what I would have done, too. Um, yeah. I, I think any other year, you probably have to give it to, to uh, Coal Miner's Daughter. But um, but I don't know. It would have been tough had the great Santini been in yeah. there as well. You know. Well, actually, of my five, I would actually put Cole Miner's daughter as the fifth. Ah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, technically, my order, I, I would go one, ordinary people, raging bull. They're they're, they're my tie. Mm-hmm. Then after that, Gloria. Then great Santini. Then Cole Miner's daughter. That's that, that's how I would rank them. All right. So let me ask you a question before we move on to the the films of 1981. Um, do you agree with me, or or do you have your own opinion as to why? 1980 became the the year where they just the, the studios just said fuck it we're we're taking this away from the Coppolas from the Lemays from the Saminos from the Scorseses why did they go back to doing these kind of huge productive uh, cinema cinematography orgies that 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 ended up happening in the 80s yeah I probably boy down to boils down to control I mean. You know, I mean, these studio moguls are big, powerful people, and then you kind of had that whole, you know, you can call it, you know, the independent streak in the 80s or the 70s, you know. I mean, if you look at everything what Francis Coppola went through making Godfather, you know, yeah. they were they were, they hammered him. We wanted, no, you can't have a long film. It's got to be two hours. It's got to be two hours. Yeah. And they, I mean, and they hammered at him. He's like, I can't, I can't make this film in a two-hour film. And he <laughs> gave him a two-hour product in the end, and they bitched and moaned about how crappy it was. And he said, well, yeah, I need more time. <laughs> see, they wanted control. That was all about control. You see, Coppola was, you know, he's definitely an artist, and he was... You know, he won in the end, you know, thank God for that, but, <laughs> I, I mean, but still, it's all about control. You give, when people have... You say, you know, thank God that Coppola actually, you know, won out in the end, and I'm, imagine had that been a two-hour film? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I didn't see the cut, but I can only imagine. I mean, I mean, because realistically, I mean, you got Godfather Part One, Part Two. Realistically, to me, it's just one big film. You lump them together, that's just one big film. I mean, because it's you know, there's so much in the book that you, there was no way you're going to cover that in a no, two-hour film. Absolutely not. So, I mean, you got to. You got. I mean, the seventies was probably you know was the greatest era in filmmaking. I mean, it was you had. That's when you had the rise of the Coppolas, the Scorseses. I mean, Samino. <laughs> eh, I think know. Samino got lucky, but that's a whole yeah, other yeah, conversation. Yeah, he got lucky, <laughs> but I mean, but still, you had you know you had Cassavetes, you had uh, William Friedkin, you had all these guys that you know kind of broke away from the mold of the studios and yeah. were doing things, movies that were really pushing boundaries, breaking ground that people hadn't seen before, and it was. Right. You know, and, it was probably, you know, I think, you know, in the 50s you had that movement too, you know, when Billy yeah. Wilder and Elia Kazan and all them kind of rose up. But. Yep. And so they took control. Mm-hmm. 1982, reviewing the films of 1981. Here you go. Well, not another old. This year, some tasteful filmmakers have rediscovered that fact. And I am delighted for one. And we are all of us enriched because of it. These, then, are the five nominations for the Best Motion Picture of 1981. Atlantic City. It's an international international cinema, corporation productions, and it's, it's paramount. Dennis Herrick and John Kemeny production. They're producers. The next is Chariots of Fire, Enigma Production Limited. The Lad Company Warner Brothers, David Putnam, producer. And Golden Khan and ITC Films, IPC Films Production Universal. And Bruce Gilbert, producer. The next is Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's a Lucasfilm production of Paramount. Frank Marshall, producer. And the last, the fifth nominee, Reds. A JRS Productions Paramount. Warren Beatty, producer. comment on these uh, films I just want to say that yes it was another old bat (laughs) it was Loretta Young and as you can kind of tell in in her uh, in her um, introduction to the five nominees she didn't seem to be a big fan of independent films (laughs) obviously not (laughs) anything from the 1970s I don't think she really dug right (laughs) oh yeah yeah okay so the five nominees were surprisingly the Raiders of the Lost Ark Right, mm-hmm. uh, chariots of fire. Uh, what the hell were the other three? Um, b- 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 Atlantic City. Atlantic City, and I can't remember the other two. <laughs> <laughs> you should have them up on your phone as a list. I know you? I should, but you know I was trying to. I was, this, this is why I never became an actor because I can never remember lines. <laughs> well, I'm pulling them up right now, so don't worry. Uh, no, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. But we both agree, chariots of fire. Uh, so go ahead. Tell me. Tell me. Um, Tell me what the nominees were. I'm pulling them up right now. Pull them up, dude. 
Alright, so your best pictures again to review Chariots of Fire, Atlantic City, on Golden Pond, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Reds. Raiders of the Lost Ark, was that a surprise for you? Well, yeah, because you don't, you know, I mean, when it comes to those, you know, those Lucas films, you know, and all that, you know, you think, okay, great films, blockbuster hits and all that, but you don't think of them as artistic films, really. You know, they're more, you know, action, they're more exciting and all that. But Raiders of the Lost Ark actually is a, is a very good film, and I'm going to say right off the bat, this is a very weak lineup as far as I'm concerned. I think so, too. What would you have picked better this year? Um, what are your ins, what are your outs? <laughs> You know what? When I'm thinking back to 1981, I'm this is this probably was the lot. I mean, it, really, it was not a strong year. It really wasn't. I, I have to agree with you. I think so too. You know, um, and, and I definitely would not have voted for for Chariots of Fire. I have never been a fan of that film. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it, that was a snooze fest. Reds was a, I thought Reds was a very it was you know it was an elaborate production, but a very boring movie. Let, let me ask you a question. Considering that Loretta Young is talking about tasteful films and others, she comes from an era where you know. They're talking about commies here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, did, did that kind of like you know go over her head, maybe or <laughs> possibly? You know, obviously she she likes you know she likes her movies clean. She likes good clean fun. You That's know? right. I mean, she's good good clean fun. <laughs> you know, she likes to take out her grandkids or great grandkids or whatever and enjoy a night out and not have to see you know smut. Susan, you know you know which is kind of funny because I do recall in Atlantic City Susan Sarandon exactly. does show her tits. <laughs> So I guess I guess exactly. but I guess I guess she feels Susan Sarandon's tits were very tasteful. They were. So I guess Absolutely. Susan Sarandon they were, can they uh, were they were in good moderation. It wasn't uh you know gratuitous and it was um uh, quite um quite tasteful. But let me ask you again. Chariots of Fire, why did that win? <laughs> I don't know. I was I I found it to be a very very boring film. I mean it was the story wasn't even intriguing. I just, you know, I mean, it's just, it is what it is, you know. I mean, I'm really kind of... I mean, that, that, that's exactly why I chose this subject for for um, our theme this week. Because, you know, again, it, it shows you kind of how, again, how, uh, you know, the studios pulled back. And all of a sudden, they were making these kinds of films. They were making films that were... You know, as they used to say in the early '90s mm-hmm. and mid '90s, they were there were films that were made to win Oscars. Okay, I'm going to throw one in here. Okay, sure. you didn't get to throw any of these films on this list out because here's one that got left out and I've forgotten about. I didn't realize it was 1981. I thought it was '82. Absence of Malice. That's not a bad film. That's Jane mm-hmm. Fonda, right? Huh? That's I... Paul Newman, Sally Field. Oh, okay. I'm thinking. I'm thinking of Agnes of God. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absence of. I thought that was '82, but no, that is that that right there got left out. You know. Um, but but Paul Newman almost got always got screwed at the Oscars anyway. Well, yeah, dude, you but know? I mean, but I mean, as far as being nominated for best film, probably could you could probably take any of those movies out of that list. I would have probably taken Chariots of Fire. Well, yeah, out for that one. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I you know, as a kid, I remember these these are like probably one of the first Oscars I ever saw, mm-hmm. and I remember digging, thinking to myself, oh shit, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark could probably win a, an Academy Award here. Look, here's another one that got left out: Caveman, starring one Ringo Starr. Oh well, yeah, of course. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, but that did come out in '81. I'm just I'm reading this list of the top. Yeah, films no, Shelley, of both Shelley Long and mm-hmm. Ringo Starr should have been mm-hmm. nominated for awards. <laughs> now, here's another one I remember: Clash of the Titans. Would you put that anywhere in there? Uh, I, I think Clash of the Titans was more along the line. See, it, it was kind of like a B version of what Raiders of the Lost Ark is for mm-hmm. me. Um, 
definitely at the time groundbreaking in its uh, special effects of course now they're quite laughable but nonetheless mm-hmm. i mean to do what they were doing at the time was pretty mm-hmm. intriguing i am not impressed by that list at all i, no. I really am not i and, mean it was and, another one that got nominated for many other oscars but not best picture but it was a comedy well if you can call it that but it was arthur that was another big film that year didn't dudley moore get nominated he did didn't he uh, got nominated for no best... the guy the the guy that played the butler that's right john gilgood he john got gilgood. He, he won best supporting actor yeah but but again we're we're going into this idea that that you know you're starting to see less films like apocalypse now you're starting to see mm-hmm. less films like like uh dog day afternoon yeah, you're it's start- moving back to the to the to the, the the hollywood insider you know the big studio the moguls right. these guys are controlling everything you're again. going you're going actually into an era i mean because the 60s were somewhat like this as well they were trying to do you know a bunch of family fanfare and you know to me i've seen i've seen chariots of fire twice and both times i can't tell you that i paid attention through the whole thing that's kind of how i felt about it you know and and um i would like to get you know viewers comments on that if are we wrong are we yeah. are we are we off our rockers on this because honestly i i don't see why that was best picture yeah i, I just don't i'm just gonna throw a few more out there i mean sure. history of the world part one that was you're throwing a lot of good comedies out <laughs> well, there. yeah well that's what i'm saying it's like the best movie with these comedies that came out that year right. um you know um I'm almost. I'm just kind of going through the list. So, so you're gonna. So, would you put 1980? Would you put uh, Airplane in there? <laughs> well, yeah. Air, Air, Airplane came out in 1980. You know, right. it's actually a great comedy. Um, oh, here, Mommy Dearest came out in 1981. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you know, if you're really? watching, if you're watching it as if you're watching it in the mindset you're watching a drama, you're watching a bad film. But if, hey, if you're saying I'm watching a comedy. Yeah, I guess it's got to give so, it a so, so you're giving it you're giving it the Scarface review is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, in the end, I guess I mean, well, yeah. The, oh, the first Porky's came out in 1981. <laughs> 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 um, well, here's another movie I remember. I don't think I don't know how much it got nominated. but Ragtime that was one Jim Jim that Cagney's was, last yeah, movie. Yeah, that was Jim, Jim Cagney's last film. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was an okay. Actually, film. here was a good movie. Actually, Rich and Famous, uh, Jacqueline Bisset and Candace. I remember Bergen. that. Yes, yeah. yes. That was a, that actually might have. But see, again, those were like those are the kind of films that you and I would mm-hmm. like because they were like smaller films, you know, more mm-hmm. intimate films. This is like total, like mm-hmm. like I said in my last episode, they're like uh, uh, cinematography orgasms. You know, it was mm-hmm. just like long, beautiful shots, and they just like like Loretta Young said. They were family fanfare. They weren't mm-hmm. made to break ground. They were made to win awards. Mm-hmm. Here's one that kind of a, the dark film and, um, that I remember. I haven't seen, can't remember seeing it in a long time. It's called Tattoo. Yes. Shoot, I've, I remember that vaguely, yeah, but I don't Bruce remember. Dern, yeah, yeah, Bruce Dern. It's kind of more fitting today when you see how many people are getting all tatted up nowadays. <laughs> but yeah, that was a pretty tripping movie. But yeah, um, so just to kind of get over 1981 real quick, I'll say that was a, a, that list of those movies that were nominated. Do you want me to pick? I would have voted for Raiders of Lost Ark. I think so too, because my my uh, what is it, nineteen eighty one? My my ten year old self would have said, you know, <laughs> that's the yeah. movie I wanted to do. All right, let's move on to the following year. And I think you're gonna like this because Carol Burnett just gets down to business, dude. She ain't fucking around. The um, nominees for the Best Picture. There were so many wonderful ones. I know it was tough to pick one, so here they are. E.T., the extraterrestrial, a story about the children we all are and the grown-ups we sometimes seem to be. A Universal Pictures production, Universal. Steven Spielberg and Kathleen Kennedy, producers. 
the biography of a man who brought pride, dignity, and peace to his nation, and who even today inspires millions of people with undying humanity, an Indo-British Films production, Columbia, Richard Attenborough, producer. Missing, the story of a futile search for truth and freedom in a land where such things no longer exist. The Universal Pictures, Polygram Pictures presentations of an Edward Lewis production, Universal. Edward Lewis and Mildred Lewis, producers. A human comedy of gender and role-playing set in the world of contemporary daytime television. A Mirage, Punch production, Columbia, Sidney Pollack, and Dick Richards, producers. <laughs> the Verdict, a story of law and medicine and the human beings caught between them. A Fox Zanuck Brown production, 20th Century Fox, Richard D. Zanuck, and David Brown, producers. It should be a five-way tie. Gandhi, Richard Attenborough, producer. All right. Sorry, I know we had to do a retake, but still. <laughs> like I said, so, so let's just start off the bat. You and I have always disagreed on this year's category. Because I've always, you don't, I don't think you're as fond of Gandhi as you are of The Verdict. And believe me, I think The Verdict is, is great. But I feel the same way about you, about what you feel about ordinary people this year, as, you know, I do about this year. I mean, I'm good with Gandhi. I, the Verdict is probably a better film. <laughs> well, let's but, look at this year in two perspectives. Sure. So I'm going to go back and... Look at this in the perspective of the 12-year-old that was watching the Academy Awards that night, 1983, <laughs> and I had my sentimental favorite, which was E.T. Of course, that was mine too. <laughs> so, you know, and then it just kind of takes me back. I want, you know, that movie came out in the summer of 82, and right. I just remember, you know, wanting to see it, and my sister wanted to see it. We couldn't get a ticket. You know, the lines were always long and all yes. that, and then finally one night, it was about 10 o'clock, and she came knocking on my bedroom door. I'm getting ready for bed and all that and she knocks on my door and says get dressed she says we're going out to see a movie and i said huh but it turns <laughs> out that day she went and waited like you know two hours in line to get a ticket for a midnight show into et see, see said, that surprises me because I, I remember even back in those days you had to stand in line for fucking hours in order to get into the goddamn yeah. movie house and, and for her to have gotten tickets beforehand was kind of a i guess a new thing mm-hmm. you know because uh i well, remember cause, i remember yeah, standing you, around Jeez. everybody was going out to see this movie so of course you know it became my sentimental favorite but going back now looking at the year now of course i look as an adult and i still love et i'm not oh, you know. great yeah but um gandhi is a, is a is an amazing production no doubt about it i ben kingsley's as you know always is just amazing right right absolutely um you know, and even as a, you know, I'm a history buff, so I definitely love, you know, the story as, you know, when I got older and got more into history, watching the movie and seeing it, you know, Gandhi come to life on the screen before my eye. It was, you know, it was great to see, and it was it was a great, great film. 
But yeah, I kind of give a slight edge to the verdict because I I love stories of redemption. You know, I mean, right. it's a great movie. Paul Newman starts off; he's a sleazeball alcoholic lawyer. That has one of the best starting scenes yeah, ever where because he's playing set, the, at the pinball machine. It, yeah. Well, well, also when he goes into the the uh, the funerals, the funeral yeah, yeah. Man, he's just like, giving people here's my business mm-hmm. card in case you want to sue somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and. You know, and in the end, I mean, you know, his character, you know, re- you know, does have a redemption. I love movies with redemption, you know. And, of course, you know, I think Newman has a good uh, bitch slap down of uh, Charlotte <laughs> Ramping in that movie, too. Which, of course, now all the women are probably going to hate me. But, I know, they're like... But back in the days, people understand the bitch slap was a staple of a good movie. You exactly. Know? Well, the bitch slap in that movie made sense because she betrayed his ass. Mm-hmm. What was he supposed to do? Just go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but, but it's a Sidney LeMay directed mm-hmm. film and and again Sidney Lumet never got his due as a director um right. but um you know in in my view 1982 um I have to agree with you at mm-hmm. at 11 years old like I said my I my we my sister and I who was 9 at the time we forced my father to go see ET and you know she and I are giddy as fuck you know it's like like she would have given you know like like dad took us to Shakey's and we had you know potatoes and chicken and the whole bits and we just came out of there all giddy and stuff saw the movie hey did you like it and he's like yeah so a couple of weeks later um we're at some somebody's birthday party i can't remember who it was and you know at at the end of the evening all the kids are sitting on the sofa because they're either sugared out or partied out or played out or whatever and all the parents are all sitting around the kitchen table or whatever the table was they're all just sitting there shooting the shit right and so somebody said, yeah, you know, my kid wants me to go see E.T. And, he, and my dad's like, yeah, good luck, man, because that movie's shit. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, because the goddamn E.T. looks like a big giant penis. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he looks and, and so I, I, I remember that quite vividly, thinking to myself, you know, every time I saw E.T. stretch mm-hmm. his neck and I'm like, erection. <laughs> <laughs> well, my mom, she had refused to see it for the longest time because she thought the thing was just so grotesque looking. <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, she went, of course, you know, we, it was one of those movies you go see again and again, you know. Right, as, right. Especially as the summer wore on, tickets became right. more and more available. I just remember her loving the movie afterwards and crying and everything. I mean, she just, cried. I knew she would cry when yeah. E.T. died. I, that's exactly you what she... You didn't. Did you cry? <laughs> I know I, I cried. I, I still cry. <laughs> took your, I remember years when they had like the 25th year... Twenty year, right? Whatever. We, we took, went to go see we it. We took your niche, you know. Right. I was a kid at that time, so I'm, I freaking teared up in that yeah, theater. Yeah, I did too. I was in my thirties. I'm <laughs> tearing up. My niece is like, "Are uh, you? Are you okay?" And I know the son of a bitch lived. But I still <laughs> She's like, "Are you okay, Theo, Mister Loon?" I'm like, oh, "I'm fine. Just look away. Look away." <laughs> something in my eye <laughs> so so we do agree that the two best films mm-hmm. that year were probably gandhi mm-hmm. probably the verdict mm-hmm. any other films that year that you well, uh i mean let's look at some of those other nominees i mean missing that was a strong film that I mean, was with but, harrison ford right yeah, right was, you know but um you know you got tootsie in there <laughs> <laughs> um you know i you know it's actually you know you, you go back and watch it it's you know it's a good i mean it was one of those things everybody talked about how hilarious it was and all and then when you see it you know you really don't find yourself laughing a whole lot did you find yourself not laughing a whole lot because it probably wasn't a film that was made for your age group at that time? Well, yeah, but I'm talking about as an adult, seeing it as an adult. Right. I remember seeing I, I did see it at the time it came yeah, out. Because Jessica Lang wins an Oscar for this film. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. And I remember seeing it. I remember not laughing as a kid because, but you know, you're thinking maybe the humor's over here. But when I see it as an adult, I look at it again. I kind of go, well, I get the humor. I get what's funny about it. But it's just not like roll on the floor, pee in your pants funny. It's just. Norm Jewish ended that one, if I'm right. 
Um, I think it was Norm Jewish. Yeah. But I'm not, I, I gotta admit, I'm not a big fan of that movie. Never yeah. really was. It's, yeah, to me it's, you know, it, it's... Jessica Lange was good in it. She really was. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know. I, I, did you think that by that point, you you kind of seen one Dustin Hoffman performance, you've seen them all? <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. I mean, Dustin Hoffman's. I think he's a very, very good actor. It just seems like when he wins an Academy Award, it's not for something that he... That he should win it for. At least in my eyes, is one of, you know would be considered my favorite performance of him. The movie was uh, uh, Sidney Pollock directed to Sidney Pollock. Okay, my uh, I stand corrected. Okay, cool. And again, Sidney Pollock was pretty big in the 1980s doing mm-hmm. films, and he wins it for a movie that we'll discuss in a little bit. All right, we good with 1982? Um, well, I'm just gonna throw this one out there because you know this is for all the ladies. <laughs> it's for um, all the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but it was it was the it was the chick flick of 1982. Chick flick. Uh, officer and a gentleman. Oh shit, me! <laughs> um, I gotta admit, as a dude, I enjoy. It. You know, that's one of those movies that's brilliantly made because it's got, you know, you know, because you know the you know the guy's gonna take his lady out for a date that night. You know, and she wants to see officer and a gentleman, but this is gonna, but it's a, it's got enough interest, you know, ma- male issues in it to to hold the man's interest to watch. You know, the whole military thing and all that. But I uh, I will say about that movie. Am I gonna say it's best picture? No, it's really probably not a best picture nominee. But um. Lou Gossett Jr.'s performance was, I mean, he won Best Supporting Actor for it. And sure. Damn, I mean. Sure. If, you know, I mean, if, yeah, he, I, you really felt that that was, that was a true, you know, drill sergeant. I mean, he was My he favorite was part is where he fucking kicks Richard Gere in the balls mm-hmm. in that scene. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's a great thing because even though he was all over Richard Gere's ass, in the end, you saw his, the, the, the sentiment that he had for him. I mean, yeah. he, I mean all, as hard as he was on because he knew he had what it took, he was just undisciplined and he busted it. We don't, it Busted his balls to get the best out of him, you know. And you see Richard Gere, who was basically a loser coming out of that movie, finally, you know, achieved the next level, you know, to become that pilot that he wanted. But, you know, let's give that movie its props. It was a movie that was, you know, designed the love story to make the chicks happy, but, you know, <laughs> had the male stuff in it to kind of keep the guy in the movie, too. So, you know, we'll just kind of give that list a little I, tip of the I, hat. I saw it because um, I, I heard Deborah Winger was nude in it. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't show anything. She, you know, there's scenes where she's clearly nude, but she's covered in all the right places. Yeah, which... well, that doesn't really count now, does it? No, you know, it not, not to an impressionable twelve-year-old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, so we ready to move on, sir? Ready to move on. Very good. And so does this wonderful academy. And now, the five nominees for the best picture of the year are The Big Chill, a story of the 1960s ideals coming face to face with the realities of the 80s after a young man takes his own life. A Carson Productions Group Production Columbia, Michael Schamberg, producer. The dresser, a Shakespearean touring touring company, holds fast to its love of language and traditions of acting in the England of World War II, a Goldcrest Films World Film Services production, Columbia, Peter Yates, producer. The right stuff. The story of America's it read into the space program of our first seven astronauts and their early successes and failures. A Robert Chartoff Erwin Winkler production, The Lad Company, through Warner Brothers. Tender Mercies. An 
out-of-luck country singer in Texas finds a second chance for love, for family, and for his music. An EMI presentation of an Antron Medium production, Universal AFD. Philip S. Hobel, producer. Terms of endearment. Thirty years in the lives of a mother and daughter. Thirty years of the bitter and sweet. A James L. Brooks production. Paramount. James L. Brooks producer. And the winner is... Terms of Endearment, which is probably one of the greatest mommy-daughter chick flicks ever made. (laughs) You have a great story on this movie. Well, this movie... (laughs) Okay, first I want to say this. I want to say with all... I do not have mommy issues, okay? I, I respect and I love my mother very much, but watching this movie was like watching my mother on... In a movie, I mean, this the, the Shirley MacLaine character, Aurora Greenway, was this this woman was my mother. Although my mother didn't get it on with Jack Nicholson, but hey, <laughs> but wouldn't but it no, be awesome? She was if very, she did? And, and you know, and very much, in very much ways. I mean, my mom and my sister were a lot more closer than those two. I mean, they didn't bicker as much, but there was a kind of a parallel between that, and it was the same thing. Even you know, a few years later, after my sister got married and. Then came and told my mom that she was pregnant. My mom had a very similar reaction, you know, when when you know when when Deborah Winger tells Shirley McLean that she's pregnant and she says, "Well, aren't you happy for me, mom?" Well, no, no. How should I be happy about being a grandmother? You know, that was my mom. My mom was, you know, keep my my mom had my sister when she was what nineteen years old. My mom got married at eighteen, and you know, I mean, young. They did it back the way they did it back then. So my mom, at the time my sister got pregnant, was only forty two years old. So you know. The thought of being a grandmother at young, such a young age, I guess, you can <laughs> hit you hard. But no, um, it probably of, of that list, I would say Terms of Redeemment probably was the best film. You think so? Of that, out of that list, yeah. Yeah, cause I, I'm not a big fan of The Big Chill. Um, the Big Chill is, I would, I, I'll tell you right now, I would throw The Big Chill out. I already got my replacement for The Big Chill. <laughs> what are the nominees that you're, just to recap to, to the recap audience? To recap the nominees, of course, you have the winner, which was Terms of Endearment. The Big Chill, The Dresser, The Right Stuff, and Tender Mercies. So, um, to start with, um, I, Tender Mercies, to me, I, it sounds like it would be a great story, but I found the movie to be kind of slow-moving. And I agree with you, but a I still disappointment. like it. Um, you know, Robert even, Duvall, even Robert, Duvall? you're not going to complain. I mean, Robert Duvall is Robert Duvall. I mean, right, right. You know, definitely probably was the best actor that year. But um, I'm going to say right now, I would throw out the big chill, and this is... I would definitely throw out the big chill. And I'll chill. tell you what I replace it with, which is actually, you know, Woody Allen, for me, is a mixed bag of films. I love films. Woody Allen, yeah. I either love his films or I hate his films, but mm-hmm. one of his, one of actually one of my top three Woody Allen films was left off this list here, and that was Z-League. Yes, very much so. And I would have definitely replaced Big Chill with that. In fact, I would go, I would say Z-League probably gives, in my eyes, in my 
biased view, I would say Gibbs turns him endearment and run for his money. I would uh, I wouldn't be too far to disagree. I do agree that Tender Mercies is a little slow. But I'll tell you what, I as far as I'm concerned, I enjoyed it. Not that I didn't like Terms of Endearment, and believe me, every woman that I've ever dated or gone out with has seen that movie, loves that movie, talk, cries about it with their mother, you know, and, and, and I have two ex-wives to prove that. But, but, uh, but to me, Tender Mercies works. I, I, I liked it. I actually enjoyed it. I know it's a little slow. And, I, and and for some reason the the um, what's the name of the movie that um, that Jeff Bridges won the Oscar for like twenty some years later, where he plays a similar character. Oh, um, wasn't for no he didn't get it for I know what movie that yeah what, I know what, that, exactly it's on the tip of our tongues we'll check it out in a bit but I mean he plays a similar character yeah, it's a that's similar exact, well, that story was exact, that movie was kind of a, the Jeff Bridges movie was kind of a updated version of Tender right Mercies. because that's exactly how I saw it I gotta look and, that up because it's making me nuts now. <laughs> But but it, it kind of drove me nuts when I first saw that movie because I'm thinking I'm sitting there going Jeff Bridges is doing Robert Duvall back in the day you know he's he's it's a similar crazy story. heart huh crazy heart crazy heart there you go and I mean it's a it's the same fucking movie as far as I'm concerned mm-hmm. you know um I I really like Tender Mercies I liked Robert Duvall's performance in it I thought he was terrific in it um the right stuff I have a problem with because again it's it's. Uh, it's a Hollywood film. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 one of those you know raw raw type of films that at the end you're sitting there feeling great about being an American and waving the flag and uh, it's basically the Rocky of NASA. Exactly. <laughs> good good way to good way to put it. <laughs> but but at least I felt a bit more inspirational with Rocky than I did with this because Rocky <laughs> was a born loser. You know he was just a loser. You know, the NASA program, we were going to eventually get people in space. <laughs> so, you know, they had the backing of the U.S. government. So eventually that was going to happen. Um, I mean, I, and again, to me, it, it's a greatly shot film because when you have budgets like that, it'd be a fucking shame if you made films look, you know, shit. But as far as movies go, for me that year, I, I, I go with Tender Mercies. Okay. And I would definitely would have never considered The Big Chill. The Big Chill mm-hmm. to me is a shit movie. Yeah. And I, and I will throw this one out great there. Great premise, great premise, mm-hmm. but it could have been done so much better. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to throw this out there because I do have to throw this disclaimer in there. Sure. I never saw The Dresser. I did see The Dresser. Okay. Yeah, um, it's so, not bad. Um, you know, I just said, you know, it, it takes a lot for me to sit down and actually watch a British film. I have to be <laughs> deeply impressed. You have to be in a British mood to yeah, do no, so. There are, but there are some good British films. I'm not knocking the Brits, but I'm just saying for the, a lot of times, you know, just they don't appeal to me. So You are knocking them on 4th of July, though, right? Of course. <laughs> what are you throwing in there, brother? Um, well, no, I already threw my, my picture in there with Z League, which was, okay, okay. Which was, I mean, I, one of my top three Woody Allen films. I really love that movie, and it's, I think it should have been nominated for Best Picture. And I think you definitely, The Big Chill, which is also, it's considered, you know, a classic movie, but I, I, I think, think it's one of the most, great. I think it's one of the most ridiculous movies on the face of the planet. Well, I, I'll tell you it's what. It's a bunch of, what it is, a bunch of former hippies all getting together and reminiscing about the olden days and just basically pissing and moaning mm-hmm. about how life turned out, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's just how it goes. That's life. Quit bitching. And, well, well, and the whole scene where Glenn Close. That's exactly where I was going yeah. because I'll, t- I'll tell you what. That's I, her husband fucked that other woman. Yeah, I know. It's like, it, it, and she's smiling about and it. And she's like, smiling. Well, she's cutting onions or whatever in yeah. the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. See, to me, that, that was a, that's what made the film stupid. The fact mm-hmm. that they were hippies and, and you know, kind of realizing that their lives didn't turn out, that to me is the basis of a great plot. However, I didn't think that it yeah, was, it was well written. It was poorly done, though. Exactly. I, I will agree with you on that, that it was poorly done. And, and that scene where Glenn Close is smiling, hey, my husband's fucking some chick upstairs to get her pregnant. 
this is a good thing. Yeah. That would, where would that happen? Where would that happen? <laughs> you know, where would that happen? <laughs> All right. So we good with 1980. What is it? Three or four? 19, that was the film. Best film. That's 1983. All right. And well, that's said and done. Let's go to the best pictures. 1984. Oops. And so to present the Oscars in 1984 was none other than the legendary considered probably the greatest actor of all time, although I kind of have a qualm with that. Um, Laurence Olivier, who did one of the greatest Oscar flubs of all time. Let's listen. A perfectly wonderful reception. Thank you so much. I hope I won't let the occasion down too badly. I'm here to present uh, the Best Picture Award. And the winner for this is Amadeus. <laughs> you know, that 1984, you got to give that your props because, I mean, that was a unanimous choice. I mean, they didn't even nominate anything. Out Nothing there. So, else. Was, it was yeah. all Amadeus. <laughs> Again, this is one of the greatest actors of all time. All right, well. Did you hear the, oh, the audience yeah. like, oh, my God. Well, we'll finish his job for him. Yeah, which, which, in, the, which in the preceding acceptance speech, South Sands does. Yeah. It does it. But what were the nominated movies okay, so in 1984? Of course, we, now we know Amadeus won. But in that course. year, you also had The Killing Fields. Right. A Passage to India. Mm-hmm. Places in the Heart. And A Soldier Story. <sighs> That's a that's not a bad list. <laughs> Decent list. I would probably there's a few that I'm. Well, I'm what what would you leave off? Of? Let's start with that. What would you leave off? I have of seen all of them. I mean, I would if I had to. There's there's actually one movie that came out that year that I kind of went under the radar, even though Jessica Lange got nominated for best actress for it. Was a movie called Country. That's the one where she plays uh, the country singer. Oh, shoot, what's no, that? no, no, no. That was that was the other one about Patsy Cline. Which okay, it. right, right. But this is the movie about the the farming, and you know, in, in the eighties when all the farms were getting foreclosed on. Okay, all that, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of it. I don't yeah. think I've seen that. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's a very good but, movie. I hate to um, say that. You know, but um, of the of the list though that was put up there, even if you threw country <laughs> in there, of the list that put up there, I, I got, I you know, I'm going to say they got it right. I think Amadeus definitely was. Which, which was of the course, best you know, which and is, I'm a big fan of the 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 taking. Actual history and throwing fiction into it, I you know as long as you're making it clear that it's fiction, you know. But I, I, I Amadeus, you know, you can every time that comes on, I always, I always enjoy that film. So to me, Amadeus is like that film, like like kind of the Godfather. It doesn't matter when you see it on TV. It doesn't matter what point of the movie you're in. Mm-hmm. You got to stop and finish watching it. Now, um, I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I'm looking at the. Um, I, I remember watching all these films actually, and and um, thinking to myself, well, you know, what um, what movie do you leave off of here? And and I can't say that you can leave pretty much anything. I mean, it's just it's just they're they're all good films. Mm-hmm. I I think um, I remember watching the Soldier Story for the first time, and I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, that that was such a great. I didn't even know that it was based on a play. I think I was so young at the time that I didn't realize that you can make movies out of place. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I mean, what did you think of Soldier Story? Did you like it? Did you think it was shit? Or no, I, I liked it. I um, at the same time, I mean, it, was, it had like the the slowness element to it at times. It kind of like you, 
get you anxious to see what's happening next. Cause it kind of moves slowly, but it's it's still a very strong film. Um, Sally Field wins uh, in another Oscar-nominated film. You've never really liked her movie roles, which she's won. Uh, uh, Places in the Heart was one of the movies that was nominated. A lot of people feel that that movie should not have gotten in there. Mm-hmm. I, my personal pick, and I'm going to probably get stones and shit thrown at me, especially from F. Murray Abraham, is uh, A Passage to India. I've never been a fan of that film. Well, that's the one I told you I would throw out and put replace with Country. Right, that, that would work. That would work. What did you think of The Killing Fields? Of that list, that's the second best movie in that list. I agree. I mean, um, you know, um, you know. I think Sam Watterson, any other year, wins mm-hmm. the Oscar for Best Actor. Yeah. But he ran into a, a two bus offs, which were F. Murray Abraham and mm-hmm. Tom Holsey and Amadeus. Well, it's, a, it's surprising that either that, that F. Murray Abraham won, because usually when you get two actors nominated for the same film, right. um, it doesn't work out because the vote kind of gets split up. But, it's, but it ha- did happen the year before, because same thing, Deborah Winger and Shirley MacLaine were both nominated for Best Actress. Right. McLean won, but yeah. Um, but you're talking more about the uh, all about Eva. Yeah, the all about know, scenario Eva where Ann Baxter and Betty Davis effect. Yeah, of course. But, but no, I mean, and it's it's that definitely you know everybody you know probably the sentimental favorite is probably Hulk because everybody remembers the laugh and all that. But but really, I mean, the F. Murray Abraham the movie really is about F. Murray Abraham's exactly. character, the Salieri character. I mean, that's right. you know it's called Amadeus. You know, I mean, revolves around Mozart, but it's really about his character and his. Inferiority to 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 the Mozart character. Exactly, so. like he says, you know, he has the gift to recognize, but not the gift, mm-hmm. you know. And so, um, I mean, even in the play, F. Murray Abraham, is, or not F, but the character of uh, Antonio Salieri is the is the is the main guy, and it's and it's one of those rare films where the villain actually wins the Academy Award. At the end of that, there is there some redemption for Salieri, or does he just go mad? I don't think there's any redemption. Not that he needed redemption. He was just he was a he was a man trying to come to terms with his own inferiority. Inferiority, yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> which is what I call now the Salieri effect when I see bands like the Rolling Stones. <laughs> <laughs> but but let me let me say this. I mean, and I'll say it straight out. I'll be quite blunt about it. In the 1980s, this is my favorite film. Really, I I I, I as. You know, we can look at some of the minor, you know, indie films that came out around that time, but as far as, like, actual Hollywood productions or a movie that we're reviewing the all, all the Oscar nominees of this era, this was my favorite. I, I love this film. Everything about it is terrific. Uh, the directing, the acting, the cinematography, everything. If you're going to make a lush Hollywood production with a budget that, you know, is going to go sky high, this is the movie you want to make. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> okay, got a point. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, because, I mean, look at it. I mean, the the elaboration on the authenticity of the era, the costumes. I mean, you have two pretty well-respected uh, stage actors on there, you know. And that was one big risk by by the director on this because he could have gotten stars to do it, and he did it. Instead, he went with two kind of minor type characters. You have seen F. Murray Abraham before in Scarface. He's the guy that gets thrown out of the helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, speaking in the Bath Cuban accent like all these guys tend to do. But um, in my in my view, this is the film. Well, actually, I, I, let, let's put it this way. This is my favorite film of the Oscar winners of the 1980s. Because there's mm-hmm. other films that didn't win that yeah. I would probably place just a little higher. Probably the upcoming year has <laughs> has one of those films. Uh, so 1984. What what is your what any any other films that you might want to throw in there? Any any other further comments? Well, I threw country in there. Right. Um, you know, 84. Also, you had um, 
Uh, you know, the blockbuster, the comedies, you know, Splash came out that year, um, the fucking, uh, what was that, the, the Little Animals with Hoydax and the, go, go, not Goonies, um, the 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 go- not, not the- Goonies so the, the little fucking yeah, gremlins. Yeah, yeah. The g- gremlins gremlins yeah the yeah. good yeah okay okay, okay you yeah, had that those were the big pictures but I'm gonna throw another picture out there I mean <laughs> you know that came out this year and it did win an Oscar for its uh, musical score um, <laughs> I know where you're best, going I know where you're the going the <laughs> best poorly acted film in history the exactly. best poorly acted film in history it's a great film but great, the actors great all story suck in it. great film Purple Rain you gotta yes. you know tip your hat I mean you know Prince Apollonia, they, you know, well, Apollonia wasn't much of a singer either. Sorry, yeah. Apollonia, but, you know, but Prince, you know, you know, it was his first shot, but it was a great story, you know, but, you know, the, the acting. I, I saw a midnight showing of that, actually. Yeah. There's a, there's a little members club that I'm in mm-hmm. uh, that have, that has midnight, well, at least not now because of everything that's going on, but um, the whole point of it is you go see films at midnight and they're surprise films, and one of those was this, and so... <laughs> I happen mm-hmm. to see. I, I happen to have seen this movie. My dad hated it. Now my dad is funny. He hates cursing in films, but he doesn't mind a bit of nudity. But at the time, I was what, like, thirteen years old, watching this shit, and I didn't know what was going on. Every time I saw Apollonia, I just kind of wanted to stare. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. What can you say? I mean, well, but I, but I mean, so so we're good with Amadeus this year. Yeah, I you know I think even of the pictures that. Anything that got left off the best actor, it was, it was the film of the year. So I think it's one of the cases they got it right. Let me ask you a question: In an era that we live in now, where you have director's cuts for this, director's cuts for that, did you like the original cut of Amadeus or the director's cut? Since we both see, we both seen both of them, I go with the original cut. Still, was I agree? I mean, you, when you tighter. watch the director's cut, you kind of understand why they left some of these scenes out. So. Right. I, I think the original Amadeus was tighter, mm-hmm. you know, and it just works a lot better. Yeah. Awesome. Let's move on to, what, 1985. All right, so this year's nominee callers or whatever you want to call them, the presenters, were um, three of the greatest directors ever, but probably not a great idea to bring them out when they're, you know, this old. That's more like a who's who, who's going to die next. (laughs) It is Billy Wilder, the great Billy Wilder, the great John Huston, the great Akira Kurosawa. And here was their presentation of the 1985 best films. The Color Purple, a Warner Brothers production, Warner Brothers, Steven Spielberg, Kathleen Kennedy, Frank Marshall, and Quincy Jones producers. Kiss of the Spider Woman, an HB Films production in association with Sugarloaf Films, Island Alive. David Weissman, producer. <laughs> Out of Africa, uh, Universal Pictures Limited Production. Universal, Sydney Porak, producer. Honor, an ABC Motion Picture Production, 20th Century Fox, producer. Witness, an Edward S. Feldman production, Paramount, Edward S. Feldman, producer. 
I don't think either one of us enjoyed out of Africa <laughs> in any sense of the word. Here you had four great films nominated for Best Picture and out of them won. All right. They, they read them again, please. Just because Akira Oris, uh, Okasawa mm-hmm. just kind of didn't mm-hmm. pronounce one right. <laughs> the Color Purple. Yes. Kiss of the Spider Woman. Yes. Fritzy's Honor. Yes. Witness. Yes. And then your winner, Out of Africa. I, Am I one of the only few people on this planet that thinks that Out of Africa should not have no, won the I, I, I have never, I have yet in my life come across a person who actually likes that movie. Um, why do you, Why did he win it? Do you think Sidney Pollack was just due? I don't, I don't know. For some, but this was the 80s. People, they loved these big epic type films back then. You know, right. you know, a lot of these movies won Best Picture that were just movies that didn't interest people. You know, I mean, <laughs> and Out of Africa is one of those movies. I mean... I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to throw out of Africa out of this mix. Right. Okay. And I can tell you I would replace it with um, Agnes of God. I, you know, a lot of people give Agnes of God some shit, but I think it was actually a pretty good movie. I, mm-hmm. I thought it was a very good movie. It was a very good, very, very, very good movie. Now, um, now, why does Out of Africa win? See, I, I think it's because Sandy Pollock, from what we've reviewed so far, mm-hmm. this is like, what, his fourth or fifth nomination? And he hasn't won. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, but it does, I mean, so just because he hasn't won in the past, let's just give him one because he, for a piece of crap. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, some people don't win an Oscar. I mean, you know, that's, that's why you have the honorary, you know, Oscar for their full body of work. You give them when they're, you know, a few years away from death, you know. And so that's just a simple fact. I mean, you look at Paul, it's, you know, Paul Newman, same thing. I mean, this man has brilliant performance after brilliant performance in, you know, a 40-year career. Career, actually. And then. When they finally give him an Oscar, it's the year he says, you know what, I'm just not going to go this year. I'm going to stay here in Connecticut because this is bullshit. I go every year, I lose. And then they give him the Oscar for the same, playing the same character they denied him an Oscar for 25 years earlier, which was The Color Money, where he rehashed, you know, Fast Eddie Fels. And it was like, what's the point? Why, you you know, you didn't give him to him for the first time. Why give it to him now? That's like giving Al Pacino an Oscar for Michael Corleone in part three as opposed to part two or one. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, it was just... This is what I mean. I, I, that's what I mean. I mean, you know, they, they, they use that to sell the DVDs, you know, the best picture this year on there. But it doesn't necessarily mean it was the best picture. Not, not without of Africa. I mean, there's mm-hmm. some that, that we agree. For example, we agree that Amadeus was best picture. Yeah. We, we do agree. I, don't, I think there were very few people that agreed that Out of Africa was best picture. Only, um, uh, you, know, you know who agrees that Out of Africa was the best picture? Sidney Pollock. Sidney Pollock. <laughs> yeah. Robert, Robert Redford, Redford and Meryl Streep. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goddamn right. That was this picture. Hell yeah. And I'm going to say about Meryl Streep, too. Same thing. She has this effect. I mean, okay, I'm not going to take this woman's abilities away from her. She's definitely one of the best actresses of all time. But it seems to me a lot of her movies are movies that just don't interest me. Yeah, I, I, I can agree with that. Um, you know, she did win her, you know, when she won the first Best Actress, which was for Sophie's Choice. 
the movie for the I mean outside of you know it starts off you know in the beginning where she has to make her choice I'm not right. going to ruin it for you out there you got to watch me to figure out what Sophie's choice was exactly but after she makes her choice which is a very intense scene it is very you know and the rest of the movie is her having to live with the consequences of that choice or well you know, yeah I mean but, and it's but, a snooze fest after well, that yeah but I mean the the rest of the the rest of her performance is is pretty much her frolicking about with the, between Kevin Klein and then having that affair with that writer guy and mm-hmm. and. You know, the, oh, sorry, did I just fuck it up for people who haven't seen it? Not too much. It's all right. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just going to say, um, out of Africa, so let's just go off of this list. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there was a big controversy in this Oscars of people, if you're old enough to remember, that The Color Purple, you know, which is you know a Steven Spielberg-directed film, but it's basically an all-black cast, which got completely shut out. Completely yeah, shut out. Yeah, I think it had out. 11 nominations 11. and didn't win a single Not one. Not one. And um, and I'll be and I'll be uh, the first to say it. This was your best picture. Color Purple was your best picture. Mm-hmm. And you know, I kind of over the years come less favorable towards the film because I did say it's the same situation. And usually, when you love a film, I wouldn't recommend doing this too much. Is reading the book afterwards because it, you get I actually read the book. I actually read the book before. Well, yeah, yeah. See, for me, it was kind of disappointing because after when you read the book, and it's in, the book is very, very much different from the film, and, uh-huh. it's, and it kind of it kind of it's a takes uh, takes some of the pizzazz out of the film for you because you kind of feel let down a little bit. But you know, you have other movies like you know Godfather, which I think those you know. Coppola did a great job sticking to the book. Pretty know, much, he just threw part, he but, just threw the stupid shit out. But yeah. anywho, um, in in my opinion, Color Purple was your best picture. Yeah. Um, I, I think mm-hmm. in that movie, and and I don't care who laughs at me when I say this, but Whoopi Goldberg didn't put on one of the best female performances of all time. She put on one of the best performances on film of all time. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and so why again? This this I mean, and it was a grandiose film. It's right up the alley, but. Here's why I think it, here's why I think it, it didn't win anything and it was shunned. Two words: Steven Spielberg. Well, yeah. <laughs> so Hollywood had a bug up their ass about Spielberg for some reason. Right. He made him a shitload of money, but they they, <laughs> they had a problem with this guy for some reason. Thanks for the dough, but no award for you, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, to me, Color Purple on this list. I mean, out of Africa, dude. I'm serious. Mm-hmm. It's one of. Mm-hmm. I I think I've tried to watch it three times, and I, I've gotten to the end of it. But it's been in pieces. It's like I have mm-hmm. to stop because I'll I'm... I'll put I'm, you mentally. When, it does, when I come across it on when I'm flipping channels... Do you whatever, come across it? Because I don't... I, 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 I have on time. occasion. I do yeah. stop and I'll tell you what the result is every single time. I fall asleep. <laughs> and it doesn't take long. It's actually, you know, it does serve a great purpose. I guess, you know, you are... You're suffering from insomnia. Pop insomnia put in out of Africa and that it should do the trick. It should do the trick, mm-hmm. Definitely. So, uh, again, I've never been fond of this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, Sidney Pollack may be a great guy, somebody mm-hmm. I'm going to have a nice glass of wine with, but sorry, Out of Africa mm-hmm. to me was not the best picture. Yeah. Color Purple most definitely yeah. was. I, you know, so yeah. And I'm going to go through the rest of these, you know, the other three films, which also all excellent films. Kiss of the Spider Woman, excellent very good film. Movie. Yes, Fritzy's Honor, an excellent film. Very much so. Witness was another great film. I mean, all three of them great, but I, I'll go with you on that. I think. Color Purple is up until up until Schindler's List came out was, was actually Spielberg's best film. I agree. I definitely agree. I think Spielberg proved in this film that he, you know, he proved two things. He was a great filmmaker, and number two, that he was this pariah. He was the the reason why is because again, he's one of those directors that flourished in the 1970s and kind of did things his own way. You know, you know, and and. But I agree with you. I mean, 
when we look at the Oscars, I mean, I think it's a prestigious award. It's a, it's a great award and, and all this good stuff, but... Um, it's not always an accurate award. Well, it, it, it's kind of like one of those awards where, for example, here in the 80s, it was no longer about artistic you know, merit. It was about you know, who, who the Academy liked. And it wasn't about you know the merit of the film. I'm sorry, Sidney Pollack, you know, made some interesting films, but but out of Africa is nowhere near what, what Color mm-hmm. Purple was. Color Purple is a mm-hmm. brilliant fucking film. Yeah, you know, from beginning to end, brilliant yeah. film. And let's hedge on something you brought up about Whoopi Goldberg. You know, greatest uh, performance. Per- one of the great, yeah, yeah absolutely. And so let's take a look at that category of best actress. And um, up to that point, yeah, you mean Whoopi Goldberg was rather obscure. She wasn't. Yeah, and you know she was basically a stand, you know, a stand-up comedian at that point. That's all she was, pretty and, much. You know, so you got to understand her taking this role, this dramatic role. Right. I mean, was it, and and pulling this off, it's actually quite a. It's either you know a great testament to her or a testament to Spielberg directing her in this. I think it's actually a testament to both, both of them. Of them you yeah. Know, yeah, absolutely. Um, but she, you know, these were your nominees for Best Actress this year. Shoot. And Bancroft and Agnes of God, which was a very solid, very, strong performance. Very, very good performance. Jessica yes. Lange in Sweet Dreams, as mm-hmm. where she played Patsy Cline, which actually I, you know, Jessica Lange's a fine actress. I was she actually is. kind of disappointed. I didn't, I don't, I didn't feel she captured Patsy Cline in this. I didn't think so at all either. Then of I course met you had Patsy Meryl Streep, you know, boring us to sleep with Out of Africa. <laughs> but this was your winner. I you know Whoopi, you know, you had Whoopi Goldberg in Color Purple, but this was your winner this year. Was Geraldine Page in The yes. Trip to Bountiful, a dying. Geraldine Page, by the way, right? Um, who died, I think, the next the, the year following year. But you know, I mean, this was just the, to me. It was like it's a makeup Oscar. Yeah, you know. Okay, fine. You're a legend. We're gonna give you this. We're gonna give you this award. You know. But it's like that's what pisses me off about the Academy Awards. Sometimes they just give these awards out because, well, it's time this person gets an Oscar. Exactly. Again, this is why you have the honorary Oscar at the end. You know, right. when they're that death's door and they haven't won one, you give them that honorary, you know, Oscar for their full body of work. Truthfully, I mean, you, when you watch, if you watch all these movies, you can't deny, I mean, regardless of, you know, I know there's a lot of, you know, in this political climate, a lot of people hate Whoopi Goldberg because of her politics. Throw that aside, watch this film, see that performance. It's a, it it's is a great. A brilliant, it is a brilliant performance, and there's no way you can deny that that was the best performance. Absolutely. Of even maybe even the decade by an actress. Who knows? Maybe you know. I mean, it's it's, it's up there. It is. I, I agree. I, I I have I've all, I've always contended that that is one of the greatest performances I've ever seen on film. Period. To me, it mm-hmm. ranks up there with Brando and Streetcar. It ranks up there with uh, with uh, uh, you know Pacino mm-hmm. in, in Dog Day Afternoon. It ranks up there with De Niro and Raging Bull. You know, to me, this her sex and her color doesn't matter. Is that what matters to me is the fact that that performance. Mm-hmm. It just did something to me. It was like, wow, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. because you imagine anybody else in that film, that film falls apart. It's, yeah. you know, that film is not, is, 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 is the, Whoopi Goldberg is the reason that movie is great. And we're not talking about a good movie. We're talking about a great movie with a great performance that, that is so heartbreaking at times. You know, you, you just mm-hmm. sit there, you just want to go out and hug her the next time mm-hmm. you see her. Although she'll probably look at you and go, get the fuck away from me. Yeah. <laughs> and then a final bit of honor, you know, um, Whoopi ended up getting you know, a makeup Oscar herself Very much five so. years later for Ghost, where she so. plays, you know, the Whoopi Goldberg everybody knows, you know, the comedic type thing, you know, I mean. Yeah. And it's uh, like, you know, I mean, okay, you know, I'm glad she got an Oscar, but, you know, I mean, come on, you know, it, it, was, it was a makeup. And it, it was a makeup and it was a shit thing that the Academy did because mm-hmm. this would have, I mean, despite the fact that when she did win it, mm-hmm. right, she won it for Best Supporting Actress. Had she won it properly for The Color Purple, she becomes the first black actress to ever win an Academy Award in a leading category. Incredible, Instead, yeah. that honor went to Halle, to Halle Berry mm-hmm. a couple years after that. 
Um, 20 years later, really. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I think that that was a a shit decision. I think it's a shit decision that they shut out the color purple. In my opinion, Out of Africa Mm -hmm. being Best Picture is absolutely Mm -hmm. ridiculous. But, all right, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Dustin Hoffman presents the following urine. Almost pulls a fucking Lawrence Olivier. Let's listen in. God, in which love is better unspoken, Bert Sugarman and Patrick Palmer producers. <laughs> Hannah and her sisters, in which Woody Allen finds sex in religion, not necessarily in that order. Robert Greenhut, producer. The mission, a powerful mixture of the church and politics in the South American jungle, Fernanda Chia, Gia, pardon me, and David Putnam, producers. <laughs> Platoon, youth and death in the Vietnam War, Arnold Copelson, producer. <laughs> a room with a view. The beauty of Florence and the past through the eyes of a young girl, Ishmael Merchant, producer. And the winner is Platoon. All right. So the reason I said that he almost pulled the Lawrence Olivier is because after he gave a five-minute speech about this and about that, he opened up the envelope, read it, and then remember that he had a name nominees. <laughs> and so Hoffman wasn't that old at that point, so at least his mind came back to him. Clearly. Right. So, so he's reading nominees already knowing who won. <laughs> right. When he, when he said the nominee is Platoon, he's already looking at uh, at uh, Oliver Stone, going, "It's you, brother. It's you." <laughs> All right. So Platoon wins this year. Now. I remember far uh, this far back, and I remember that movie was a big deal. It was huge. It was a big box office hit. Everybody was talking about it. Everybody's sitting there going, a brave new face on the Vietnam War. I went to go see it, and I thought to myself, why did he redo Apocalypse Now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, I'm, I'm not a fan of Platoon. Um, going through this list. Right. I had to pick the, the best film on this list. Right. Probably was Hannah and Her Sisters. I agree. Um, but there is a movie that came out this year and um, kind of goes under the radar. Nobody talks about it, but few people realize that jazz legend, legend Dexter Gordon is an Academy Award nominee for Best Actor. And he was nominated for Best Actor in a movie called Round Midnight. Round Midnight, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, this movie also made one Herbie Hancock an Oscar winner for his original score for this movie. Right. But this movie doesn't; it gets completely overlooked as far as your top films of 1986. Why do you Excellent think that film. is? Hmm? Why do you think that is? Because the movie centers around jazz. <laughs> <laughs> you know, jazz. I mean, I'm not. I love jazz. I, I love mean, jazz as well. Yeah. You know, but I th- there's a lot of you know, it's a lot of people in the mainstream. It just doesn't appeal to them, and it's not going to hold their interest. I guess I don't know. That's the problem with the Academy. They, they especially in the 80s, they were going with the fan favorites and all that. 
So um, I just wanted to give that film its honorary mention, I think, among the great films of that year. Right. Um, this is also, I think, the first year we see Merchant Ivory come into the picture. Absolutely, which, but it's just Ivory at this point. Yeah, it's ivory, yeah right? you see the beginnings of that whole Merchant Ivory boom of the 1990s, right. you know. Right. Um, the Mission, I saw that, and eh, it's all right. Yeah, you said your sister was a big fan of De Niro, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> yeah but um, Children of a Lesser God, I never understood the greatness of that film. I never got it. Mm-hmm. I didn't really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, a lot of people love it. I, I just want to say real quick, too, that since, you know, we're not in a professional studio, <laughs> mm-hmm. you're going to hear a lot of background noise, and, and that's, you know, that's fine. It gives it part of the ambience. Me eating a piece of pizza, too. Exactly, and we're drinking wine, so, mm-hmm. you know, we're kind of doing a, a miniature mm-hmm. rambling, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, no, if I'm going to go off this list, I mean, Hannah and her sisters, it's another one of my it's in my top three of Woody Allen films. I mentioned right. Z League a few years earlier, but Hannah and Her Sisters. And for me, that's, you know, if, you, if I had to pick, that's the best film of the year. I think so, too. I, 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 um, I, like I said, when I saw Platoon, I was excited. I went to go rent it at the video store because my dad didn't let me go see it at, at the movie theater. Um, I brought it home. I popped it in, and I, my dad goes, what did you think? And I said, yeah, you know. I think I think the guy was trying to rip off Apocalypse Now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't even deny it, even down to the casting. You, mm-hmm. got, you got Charlie Sheen in this. You got Martin Sheen in the other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got them both in Vietnam. You're going after missions, except one's a rookie and the other one's a you know grizzled vet and all this other stuff. But the point mm-hmm. is the same. He's battling two, you know, a personality that's far beyond the wars. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you know the the one thing that I didn't that I didn't. Um, I guess didn't hit me with Platoon the way that Apocalypse Now did, is that I always thought that Platoon's message was about, you know, um, well, there really, to me, there really wasn't a message. The whole message was that Vietnam was a mistake. Okay, granted, mm-hmm. it was a mistake. I get that. However, we already knew that. What, what, I, what got me more about Apocalypse Now, for, as a comparison, I'm not saying that they're the same, well, I am saying that they're the mm-hmm. same film, but as a comparison, what got me more about, about, uh, Apocalypse Now and what Coppola got right about having read Joseph Conrad's The Heart of Darkness is that in that he's saying that war is not this John Wayne gung-ho let's go get him kind of movies that everybody was used to. War is horror and and the and the metaphor for them going up the river in that whole movie is into is a descent into madness and he finds it in the character of Colonel Kurtz that's played by Marlon Brando. In this movie, it's, you know, he, he kind of surmises it at the end where he says, you know, he had to pick between two father figures, the Willem Dafoe character, the Tom Berenger character. I really, at some point, kind of got to a point where it's like, eh, you know, I, 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 I get it. <laughs> but I, but I, I really was not affected the way a lot of people felt that they should have been. Yeah. This was the start of, you know, every soldier is a hero movement and stuff. And, you know, whereas whereas you know, Apocalypse Now, people were still spitting at people in uniform. Um, I, I I get what Oliver Stone was trying to do. He's a Vietnam vet. I get it. Um, I just didn't find Platoon as compelling as as I found Hannah and her sisters, which was a such a well written film and such a you know almost philosophical in, in its in the way that the script was made. It's it's actually. If you have not seen Hannah and her sisters, do yourself a favor mm-hmm. and and get over the fact that you might not like. Um, Woody Allen's Neurosis or maybe some of his recent scandals but he is a brilliant filmmaker I'm going to throw two other honorable mentions into this picture, this lot here 
and performances as well in these two movies. And again, as I talked about, you know, both of them are political. The two performances are political people on one, each on one side of the aisle. So put politics aside and look at art. Um, there was a movie that came out this year called Salvador starring James yes, Woods. Yes, yes, yes. And actually, you know, and James, you know who wrote that? Oliver Stone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, James Woods was actually James Woods was brilliant in this film, just brilliant. And there was another one that came out this year, and she was nominated for Best Actress for it, um, Jane Fonda. And right. to me, it's actually one of her finest performances. I mean, if not the finest, she won those two Oscars in the seventies. But right. the movie's called The Morning After. Ah. Brilliant film. I know what mm-hmm. you're talking about. Yes. So I, again, I was you know I have to revert to the Wikipedia because I know I remember these movies and yeah, I just can't remember the years they come out. But right. yeah, these both came out in 1986 and they got left off of the Best Picture list. James Wood didn't even get nominated for Best Actor for Selma, no, which didn't. is you know uh, kind of a shame because that was a brilliant performance. No, Salvador, morning after. Um, what was your take on Platoon? Did you do you have any disagreements with what I said or? Um, to save yourself time and watch Apocalypse Now. <laughs> I mean, seriously about that. I mean, it's not. I mean, okay, the stories aren't the same, but I think the point of the picture is the same. Um, but as you put it, you know, Apocalypse Now was more. You know, you had these two basically decorated, you know, soldiers. You know, Marlon Brando and 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 Martin Sheen. And Martin Sheen you know, Colonel Kurtz and Captain Willard, both you know, veterans of war, if, if you say, who basically capture the reality war these men after all these years basically lose their minds in one in two different ways of two different ways really right I, and and again i mean and, and again check out apocalypse now check out the original cut not the extended redo version <laughs> i'm not ripping the extended redo version i did enjoy it but i still think um the original cut is the far more effective cut and it, and it captures the real i think it i think it, to this day it is still the best war film ever made i think so too. It, I, I mean i've never fought in war i mean i did have an uncle i t- did serve in vietnam and i know all the stories he told me about it and right. and it's definitely not stories of glory i mean it is <laughs> well, well that's you know that's it what is I thought was and brilliant. i think that i think yeah. hearing the things i heard the stories from my uncle and watching apocalypse now i can i can kind of see the two catch together and i think that um you know, platoon overrated film. I think so too. Um, you know, and I, I, not a bad film. I just yeah. think it's overrated. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think Apocalypse Now was far better. So eighty six, I probably go. Yeah, Hannah. I still stick with Hannah and her sisters. So do I. All right, very good. Let's move on to the following year. So this year we have Eddie Murphy presenting the award, and this is how that went. Best pictures are uh, broadcast news. Showbiz comes to the newsroom. James L. Brooks, producer. Fatal Attraction. In which adultery comes to scare you to death, Stanley R. Jaffe and Sherry Lansing, producers. Open Glory. Second World War comes to England. John Borman, producer. The Last Emperor. In which the modern era comes to China. Jeremy Thomas, producer. And winner is. 
Well, I know before all of you. <laughs> Moonstruck, in which fashion comes to Brooklyn, Patrick Palmer and Norman Jewison producers. Are there any more? <laughs> they blink their thing like, now, now. Uh, and the winner is The Last Emperor, Jeremy Thomas, producer. All right, so I think both you and I have the same question, but as my guest, sir, mm-hmm. I will let you lead the way. Uh, again, we talked about the the big epic film that just puts you to sleep. <laughs> the Last Emperor wins this thing, and I am sorry, I just I cannot I cannot disagree further. Um, particularly, I'm not impressed overall with the list of best picture this year. Right. I, Last Emperor tried to watch it. I've never watched it all the way through, I will admit, and I will say straight out, I'm not ashamed of that. <laughs> I've watched it all the way through, and I can tell Well, my you, hat's off to you. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> um, you yeah. know, you follow that up, you got broadcast news, which was just, I thought it was a stupid movie. Right. Why it, it got all the accolades it got, I just, I will never understand. I agree. Um, Fatal Attraction, if you want my pick on this list, that's my best picture. Right. I think, um... Brilliantly made and um, kept my dick in my pants for a while. <laughs> well, yeah, I think you know any any married man is you thinking about you know having an affair, you might want to check this movie out. Yeah. But um, <laughs> it, directed by Adrian Lin, great. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, I just I was I was in high school by this point. You know, and, you know what's funny? You and I went to go see uh, her last Oscar nominated film, The Good Wife. Mm-hmm. And which we all thought she was going to probably win the Academy Award. As you can see, uh, we have great sound effects in the back. <laughs> uh, but, um, okay, I don't really live in the town I live in. I live somewhere in the, uh, the Gotohu. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, so um, we went to go see The Good Wife, I remember. Is this called The Wife? The Wife, I'm sorry, yeah. you're right. We went to go see The Wife. And the first thing we did when we got back from, from watching that film... Is we went to go, uh, we, we popped in my, my DVD version of, um, of Fatal Attraction. And I wrote a review, again on my, on my um, Facebook site, where I say that this is almost like a perfect bookend for a brilliant career, you know, that, that she's had. She should have won. Why she didn't win is another question altogether. But it just shows you how great that Glenn Close has been. I agree with you. Fatal Attraction was the best picture. Should have won. I am not too sure why it did not. And going through the rest of the list here, we also had um, Hope and Glory. I thought it was an alright film. Then you have Moonstruck, which a lot of people like. I hated the movie. I did not <laughs> like... I, I really did. I, I just, I'm, I just. Come on, it's not a bad movie. It's actually alright. I hate the movie. I, 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 the more I see it, the, more, the less I like it. I mean, Olympia Dukakis. She was funny in it. I liked her character. I liked, you know, she was she was the only character I really liked in the movie. Well, yeah, because she's the it, one that's getting the shaft and shit. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I and again, you know, and again, this kind of comes down to a, a bitter point with me. Then, then you know, then you're going to go to the best actress category. Which, if you watch Fatal Attraction, right, and you watch Glenn Close, I mean, the fact that that woman can even have a sex life after making that movie is <laughs> astonishing because she was friggin' brilliant. I can't imagine any man even wanting to go near her after that because she scared the shit out of me. <laughs> and then they gave it to Cher. Come on, dude. It's Cher. 
I'm not going to take away Cher's ability as an actress. In fact, I would say a few years earlier when she was nominated for What's Best... What's wrong su- with my <laughs> <laughs> She was nominated for Supporting Actress a few years earlier. Um, yeah, yeah, for, for that movie she did with Jack Nicholson and... Uh, uh, with Jack Nicholson and Meryl Streep. It was called... Uh, I know. Um, they, they're, they're both like hobos and shit. No, no, that no, was no, no, Ironweed. No. That was Ironweed. No, well, then which one am I thinking of? Um, it came out a few years earlier. It was, oh, gosh. I... I yeah, I know. It's on the, well, but go ahead. Go. Well, hold we're on, I'm, I'm looking it up right now. But it, but but let's get to the point though. By right, now, right. Um, you watch Cher's performance in Moonstruck, which I guess you could say it's the sentimental favorite, the enjoyable performance. Cher, the one name oddity actress, singer, blah blah blah. Reality is, um, it was not the best performance of the year. It wasn't even close. Well, okay, the movie we're talking about was Silkwood. Silkwood, okay. Mm-hmm. But, she was but, good in Mask and all that, Suspect. She was good in those roles. And I'm, I mean, okay, I'm not going to say she was bad in Moonstruck. I just didn't like Moonstruck. Okay, and I'm well, sorry, and, and even if she gave, even if Moonstruck was a good movie and it was a great performance, you're not, you're not going to tell me, you're not going to convince me that Glenn Close, that was not the performance of the year. Well, let me ask you this, and this is, this is kind of why I like doing this particular theme. We're doing movies of the 80s as, as opposed to the, to the 90s independence that I did uh, in the prior episode. And again, I go with the preamble of, of, of not only the last show, but this show, is that they took away the, the studios took back that power, as you said before, and we have films that are more, you know, um, soothing to the, to the viewing audience. Mm-hmm. Because, come on, you're talking about a conservative 80s era where you're going to have a crazed doubt, you're hitting the wire, where, you, where you're going to hit out a crazed doubt, um, um, uh, Glenn Close, or or you're gonna have like you know the 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 affable, funny mm-hmm. Brooklynite Cher, you know. Yeah, I guess it, well, in that essence, it makes sense why Cher won. Yeah, you know, but because again, I mean, Fatal Attraction was a, uh, and let's face it, Hollywood, you know, Hollywood men, you know. Okay, there you go. That's good. You know, Hollywood men, mm-hmm. you know, are known to not keep it in their pants, you know. So that's <laughs> why, why another reason why it probably got overlooked because all these Hollywood people were probably going, oh, "Shit, man," you know. <laughs> Hope that doesn't happen to me. <laughs> well, see, but, but 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 let's let's even talk about the academy at this point, okay? Let's just retrack a bit. We talk about a lot a lot about how great the 1970s uh, film was, be, uh, films were, because of how independent these filmmakers were. You know, they they kind of pushed the line and and all that this other good stuff. But there were still films that that you know were kind of sentimental favorites. I mean, Taxi Driver. As as still as a classic as it is today, mm-hmm. didn't win Best Picture. Mm-mm. You know, it was nominated, but it was totally shunned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? We uh, instead they went with other sentimental favorites on this stuff. Now, is it is it a fear to acknowledge that that in film you could have artistic uh, leanings to a point where it's that kind of a of of uh, that it cuts that deep like Fatal Attraction did? Because, I mean, I remember Fatal Attraction was the film that everybody was talking about that summer, mm-hmm. you know? And, the, and I mean, Moonstruck had its, had its audience, but Fatal, it was everybody was talking Glenn Close and Glenn Close this mm-hmm. and the fucking rabbit in the, pot, in the boiling pot and Michael Douglas this and Michael Douglas that. And, mm-hmm. and you, you know, it, it, was, it was Fatal Attraction all the way around that yeah. year. I remember exactly. they were on the cover of Newsweek and Time, if I'm not, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. they were. And Michael Douglas did win Best Actor that year, but remember, he did not win it for Fatal nope, Attraction. He was he nominated for Wall Street, which was a crap movie to it begin was. with. I'm going to throw another one out there. So, since we kind of, you know, we kind of agree that Fatal Attraction was the film yeah. that year over, I mean, I'm not even going to get into The Last Emperor, but there were a couple mm. maybe 
potentially overlooked films as we talked about Ironweed, which was yeah, the Mel Street Jack that took yeah. place during the Great Depression. Right. Um, but here's another one of my favorites, and it's viewed kind of as a comedy, but it was a perfect role for Robin Williams because Robin Williams, I mean, was, you know, he for all brilliant. his comedy, was, was a brilliant dramatic actor. And this movie gave him a chance to shine on both ends, which right. was Good Morning Vietnam. Right. Again, you know, kind of some, you know, I guess you could say a light war movie, um, you know, centering around the Vietnam War, his place as, a, as an Air Force DJ, you know, making audiences laugh, but it was going against the grain of what the military brass wanted. And, right. You know, again, it was a brilliant a brilliant performance. Was it the best picture of the year? I, I think it deserved an, uh, an acknowledgement as a potential best picture. Absolutely, I think and so. And Robin Williams was nominated for Best Actor for the role, and it was, you know, it was it was a perfect role for him, and again, a great movie. I, I, I have always thought I that, that Robin Williams kinda, was a brilliant, brilliant, yeah. brilliant actor. He really was. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. And I, um, I, don't, I mean... If Moonstruck didn't win that year, but I'm not. Um, I don't know. I mean, you you <laughs> you you're, you're like adamant about about sure having won the Oscar that year. But again, we're going mm-hmm. we're going with you know with Fatal Attraction not winning, which in my opinion, and I think in many people in retrospect, it should have won. Yeah, it should have been Best Picture. I will say this: Bernardo Bertolucci is one of those hit and miss directors for me. Mm-hmm. Of course, he did Last Tango in Paris, which is a hit for me. Uh, very, uh, he did Eighteen Hundred with Robert De Niro in the seventies, which was a miss for me. And uh, this was a miss for me as well. I was not a big fan of this movie. I think it kind of went on a little too long. <laughs> you know, it, it went on a lot too long. I, I think it was like I think it was like the Chinese version of uh, of. Um, out of Africa for me, it, mm-hmm. it just was just. It was just one of those movies that uh, even halfway through the film, I'm sitting there going, "Okay, I get what you're trying to make the point of the film is, but when the fuck are you going to get to the point? Oh, another hour and a half? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it it did very little for me as far mm-hmm. as that goes. Another footnote I want to throw in here too. Um, I mentioned Olympia Dukakis winning Dukakis. Your supporting actress, but you also had another. You know, Fatal Attraction coming back into play. We had Ann Archer mm. nominated for Supporting Actress. I love and I want to delve into this just a little bit because, again, Fatal Attraction wasn't wasn't just the story, but, I mean, the movie was performance-driven. Right. And, you know, everybody's focusing on Douglas and, and Close, but realistically, you know, the hidden gem in this movie is Ann Archer, who's, of course, the, the cheated-on wife. Right. And I'm never, and I'm, you know, I'm all man, but I'm, all, I'm not big... <laughs> I'm never, I've never been big on now? movies with heavy sex scenes. Right. Because I always thought, you know, it, it boils down to the sex sells additive. Yeah. If you have a weak script, just throw in a bunch of sex in there and people gratuitous, will come Gratuitous, especially it. in the 80s. Yeah. Right. But this movie, the gratuitous sex, because there's two scenes. I mean, well, there's several scenes, you know, with the sex scenes where it's just, I mean, it's just down to the core nitty gritty fucking <laughs> between Douglas and Close. I mean, right. I mean, there's no romance in this. It's just primal animal monkey sex. I mean, essentially, okay. Well, it will be because it's an mm-hmm. affair, so yeah, it's, you exactly. know, yeah, right. But there's but there's another scene, you know, where Douglas and there's there's no sex scene between Douglas and Archer, but there no. is a sen- there is a sensual scene where she's in front of her bandy getting right. dressed up, right. And he starts caressing, and you see, to me, that was the brilliance of the film because you, the Dan Gallagher character, which is Michael Douglas. You catch the whole thing. I mean, when he when he got on with um, close, it was just primal. Was, you know, she was you know she was made up to be this sexual temptress type. You know, she had right. the, the frizzy hair, the eighties type thing. But at the time, but the, that was a big, huge step for her because yeah. remember she was looked at as this like actress's actress and mm-hmm. not not a I want to yeah. say diva, but somebody who would play mm-hmm. a role like this. So you know, to me that was a brilliant contrast though because you get this thing with Dan Gallagher. Then they, 
clearly the man loved his wife, you know. Right. And of course, if you understand how he gets with Glenn Close in the beginning of the movie, it's because his wife takes off for the weekend. Right. He tried to, you know, have a little nookie the night before his wife left for before the weekend, but then the dog came in. He had to take the dog out for a walk. So we're blaming the dog. Is well, what no, we're not blaming the dog. But when he gets back home, he's figuring, okay, the dog's walked. I'm going to get it on with my wife. Instead, he comes back in. The kids are sleeping in the bed. Right. So no nookie for Douglas. He meets Glenn Close the next day at the office. Or he sees her for the second time at the office. They get together for coffee. One thing leads to another. But he clearly loved his wife. And that's Ann Archer has the line of the movie. The movie that the, – the, 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 the question that makes what the whole movie is about right. was when he finally, after all the, 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 the nutty thing he has to go through with Glenn Close, he finally gets to the point to where he has to tell his wife, right. I had an affair on you. Right. And she – two things. She has the heartbreaking scene when she's crying and she looks at him. Do you love her? I mean, that it breaks yeah, your heart. And that yeah. to me, I think Ann Archer gets the gets my Oscar. Right. And, but and the number two, when she screams at him, "What's wrong? What's the matter with you? Yeah. Exactly. What's the matter? You had this beautiful wife. You love her very much, and yet you you fucked up on her. Yeah. I mean, you were going to throw all that away because you right. This, and, and now you're in this pickle of this yeah. mess with this psychotic woman. My favorite line is when he puts her on the phone. And she just tells him, you ever call this family again, I'll fucking kill you. Mm-hmm. He just hangs up coolly as fuck. Yeah. But now that we kind of gave the whole movie away. Yeah, no but shit. a lot of people have seen this movie, but right. regardless, I... And a lot of, I bet you that a lot of people have not seen The Last Emperor, despite the fact yeah. that it won Best Picture of the and Year. I wouldn't recommend seeing it. <laughs> I, I mean, I think I think this one goes down, and, and mm-hmm. we're, I want to do an episode with you later you know, in the future. Where we call, uh, where we, 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 where we count down our top ten insomnia list films. There you go. <laughs> and I just want to harken. And, La- and Last Emperor would mm-hmm. definitely yeah. be on my list. And now that we brought Robin Williams and Glenn Close into this conversation for sure. eighty-seven, I want to harken back five years. We forgot to talk about when we were talking about nineteen eighty-two, a movie I've forgotten all about, which yeah, was yeah, The World yeah, According yeah, to Garb, yeah, which yeah. both um, Robin Williams and Glenn Close were, and Glenn Close was nominated for supporting actress in that movie too. Which again. Just, I'm just bringing that movie back in the mix for 82, going back to 1982. Check out that movie. That was a really brilliant movie. It was a too. really very good movie. All right, so we're done with this. Because, uh, I, I, again, I have really nothing to say about it. I'm not, I'm not a fan of this movie. I thought, I thought it was a goddamn disgrace at one. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I know, and I know that Bertolucci is like this respected actor mm-hmm. or director, but, you know. I'm not going to say he's true. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan. Yeah, so there you go. All right, we're ready to move on? Mm-hmm. All right. So sometimes, for some reason or another, we like to hear about traditions at the Oscar and all this other stuff. For example, if somebody wins the Best Actress Award, they come back the next year and they present the Best Actor Award and that kind of stuff. But that really hasn't been the case. It hasn't been the case at the Oscars. It's kind of like, uh, like what George Carlin one time said. It's you know, <laughs> yeah. And so the year before, Cher had won Best Actress for the movie Moonstruck, which we discussed. And you know you're not in big favor of that move. Of that move, okay, granted. But the following year, she came back and presented best picture. Thank you. The nominees for best picture are the Accidental Tourist, Lawrence Kasdan, Charles Oaken, and Michael Grillo, producers. <laughs> Dangerous Liaison. Norma Heyman and Hank Moonjean producers. Mississippi Burning, Frederick Zolo and Robert F. Colesbury producers. Rain Man, Mark Johnson producer. And Working Girl, Douglas Wick producer. And the winner is... Rain Man, Mark Johnson producer. 
So I think for a second year in a row, <laughs> at least for me, anyways. It, let me give you. Let me give you a story. So I was taking an art class in high school. Okay, this is 1988, I believe, right? And so um, I'm a I'm a junior in high school. I'm taking an art class, and we were discussing films. It was kind of around the time that I was really getting interested in films, and um, I remember somebody asked me, "So who do you think's going to win tonight?" And I said, "I hope Mississippi Burning wins tonight." Why? Rayman's going to win. You know, Rayman's going to win. But but then I started, you know, years later I thought about that. Why was this person asking me that? So that I could agree with them that Rain Man was going to win, or because they actually thought that Rain Man was a better film than um, than uh, than than Mississippi Burning. To me, Mississippi Burning was the best film this year. I would probably put Accidental Tourists right up there, but Mississippi Burning to me did what a film is supposed to do. It it, it was a piece of art. It was a commentary on a very awful event. And it was executed with brilliance. And at this juncture, I have to say, uh, our, the great Alan Parker, who directed this film, just passed away this week. So, um, you know, kind of, a, kind of a coincidence we're discussing this at this juncture. What are your thoughts, Senior Gary? Yeah, um, I've, I've seen all the nominated, nominated pictures this year. Um, of this list... Um, Mississippi Burning is the best of the lot. Right. Um, even if I, you know, throw in some other ones in there, throw some out, I would still say Mississippi Burning probably was the, was the best picture this year. Okay. Well, um, so let me ask you the question that we've been asking the whole show long: Why? <laughs> why are we? Are, are, why are why are films like that being shunned over by by other pictures? I mean, you saw Rain Man mm-hmm. one. Now a lot of people are going to argue with us. That Rain Man was a good film. I personally didn't think Rain Man was that good a film. It's all right. I was, I was, you know, it's one of those movies I could watch it and I can enjoy it, but I don't put it in the echelons of great films. I just don't. Um, is it better than Mississippi Burning in your view? Of course not. I already it's, said Mississippi Burning is the best film of that year. Um, looking at the other nominees, who do you like? Who don't you like? Um, Dangerous Liaisons. <laughs> Performance-driven film. I'm not big on, <clears throat> sorry, period-type films. And, right. and it, did, it did, the movie just didn't really appeal to me. Well, let me ask you a question. If that movie didn't have Martin Scorsese on it, would you have even cared? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Got a point there. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, another one that I would definitely throw out of this mix, and I'm a big Mike Nichols fan, but right, I, so I did I. not like Working Girl. I did not like that movie. I just... <sighs> I just again, it was like one of those feel-good movies Mm -hmm. that you know again that were that were a big byproduct of the 1980s. I think by this point, it was becoming incredibly saturated with these kind of films. And so, you know, if if I wanted to make a film, say let's put it this way: if Quentin Tarantino wanted to make a film in the 1980s, he would have gotten rejected everywhere. Would never have gotten any money to do so. It would have never happened unless he went to go do it somewhere in a, you know deep in the jungles of Mexico or something to get some narco money. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's look at the, another one in this mix here, actually, which I thought was a very good movie. Which is? And it kind of gets, people forget about, but, you know, The Accidental Tourist. I, I, I thought that was a great film. Mm-hmm. I think Gina yet, Davis was terrific in that. It was, and she did win her supporting actress for it, but it's kind of those movies that kind of like, as time has gone on, kind of just kind of... Right, people forget about it. People forgotten about it. Right, right, right. 
I believe that had Jeff Bridges. No, not Jeff Bridges. Uh, blah, blah, blah. William Hurt. William Hurt in it. Yeah. Yes. And um, I, I always thought that was a great film. I, I had no idea who who uh, Gina Davis was because the other film that I had seen her in that year was The Fly or the year before was The Fly, mm-hmm. right? Which which uh, uh, if you want to talk about films or performances that should have gotten nominated. Mm-hmm. I know people are going to think I'm stupid for saying this, but I thought Jeff Goldblum should have been nominated for, mm-hmm. for The Fly because he was terrific in that. But in this year of films, I, I've always asked the question, and that's why I asked you, if Dangerous Liaisons, which had a great cast, had Glenn Close, it had Uma Thurman, it had John Malkovich in Michelle it, Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer, if this movie did not have Martin Scorsese's name on it, would you have given a shit? Possibly. That was part of the interest of it, but... But also because it got a lot of accolades. You know, when a movie gets a lot of I mean, it piques my interest. Okay, I want to check it out. I want to see why this movie's, you know, and, you know, quite a few times you wind up disappointed. Because this is around the time that, that Scorsese was kind of moving away from the gangster film. Remember, he had done mm-hmm. the, 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 he had done the, uh, the, the Christ movie before that. And the Last so, Temptation of Christ. The Last Temptation yeah. of Christ movie, which I saw, which I thought was brilliant. And, and you know, that, that coming from me, that's a pretty <laughs> <laughs> but um But, you know, this year... Mm-hmm. Well, you know. let's, let's take a look at some other big movies this year that didn't sure. get nominated. Um, we got, of course, the Best Actress winner that year was Jodie Foster, Jodie Foster for a movie called The Accused, which was a big movie, great performance, and that movie didn't get but nominated. It, but an in, because it was an indie film, mm-hmm. remember? Now, how, now mm-hmm. how she even got nominated for that movie... Is one of those miracles of miracles, but go mm-hmm. ahead, go ahead. You know, so again, I mean, I think that's another one I would definitely probably take Working Girl at least out and yeah, replace absolutely, it with. absolutely. Um, Sigourney Weaver this is a big year for Sigourney yeah, Weaver. Gar- she Gorillas was nominated for um, Working Girl right. and also for Less Actress in a movie called Gorillas in the Mist, Gorillas which is a uh, true life story of a uh, Diane, Diane Fossey. Fossey. Yeah. Um, again, I think that was a really good movie that didn't get kind of its its mention in the whole thing, right? Um. Another one here that was big movie, you know, actually a movie that kind of holds up, especially in the the Hispanic community. But Edward James almost was nominated for a movie called Stand and Deliver, where he played a played a real life teacher. Again, you know, great performance. It was movie. a great performance. You know, I actually saw that not too long ago. I hadn't seen it mm-hmm. in a long time because I had seen La Bamba, which, by the way, today I was out in Pacoima. Don't ask. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I was out, I was out in Pacoima and. Uh, you know, actually, we hit a we hit a fan of ours from the Ramblies. Great barbecue joint. You got to go there. The name is Coach Can Q. So if you guys want some good barbecue, look that guy up, Coach Can Q, mm-hmm. and Coach Can the word C A N and the letter Q. Anyways, and so we were out there by Richie Valens' grave, and so my daughter's like, I want to see his grave. So what my daughter wants, my daughter gets, and so we went to go see his grave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so yeah, but I mean Edward James Olmos as far as uh. Stand and Deliver goes. It, I saw that movie as kind of like a, kind of like a book into La Bamba, mm-hmm. you know. And um, you know, that's a great performance, man. It's a really oh. good performance. Would you? I mean, what about the film overall, though? Do you think it's a great film? Would you think it should have considered, um, been considered for a best actor, or I, best, I, or best picture? I, or? You, you know what? It's one of those films that was done on such a low budget. That if it was an indie film award movie, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, as far as Oscars, you got to remember. Look at all the pictures mm-hmm. that we've talked about so far. You know, mm-hmm. a movie like Stand and Deliver doesn't even stand a chance because the, I bet you Stand and Deliver wasn't even made for more than ten, fifteen million dollars. Yeah. You know, and and we're talking about films that have budgets up up to fifty, sixty, eighty million dollars at mm-hmm. the at the time. The fact that that 
the fact that Edward James Olmos was able to even get any sort of uh, recognition for this film is is a testament to him, you know, and and the fact that uh, at this time we're starting to start, you can kind of start to see a trend where we're recognizing smaller films, mm-hmm. you know, because remember what was it, La Bamba a year earlier? Yeah, it came out eighty seven. Right, a year earlier was a huge hit, you know, mm-hmm. and it, and it was a small film. It wasn't a film that you know had a budget from here to heaven. It was just a really small budget. Good performances, good story, well directed. It had to probably be filmed in about thirty days, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So there you go. Yeah. Another few, I guess, big films of the year that didn't get nominated. They can look at another one. Um, this one won an Academy Award for supporting actor for Kevin Klein, A Fish Called Wanda. A Fish Called Wanda was a great film. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and that surprises me that you would say that because I know you're not a big Monty Python fan. Yeah, but uh, but I am. I'm a huge mm-hmm. Monty Python fan, and I and I really. Uh, I saw that movie about three times at the movie mm-hmm. theater. I thought it was brilliant. I, I was like over the moon when Kevin Klein won for Best Supporting mm-hmm. Actor. Another one that was big that year, A Cry in the Dark. That's a great film. That's what's the Meryl Streep. Mm-hmm. Right? And then um, Running on Empty, another one I remember being in. Running on. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the one that uh, River Phoenix yeah, got River nominated Phoenix, for. Yeah. Um, great film as well. Mm-hmm. But but again, this is more on the indie side of yeah. stuff. You know, and we're talking about films in the 80s where... You know they weren't um, they weren't recognizing these films anymore only for performances because they were daring performances, mm-hmm. not because they were acknowledging the film. They wanted to, I think, but I don't know. You know mm-hmm. they didn't want to give up that control again. This was also the year, even though it was a comedic role, but it was also the year that kind of launched Tom Hanks more into the upper echelon of serious actors. He did big. He was nominated for big. Right, yeah. right, right. With the great Penny Marshall as director mm-hmm. on that film, but. Um, Again, you know, th- this is a, this is another subject that maybe we can talk on on another show as to what genre films you know can be nominated for fil- for Oscars. We can pick maybe like say ten films that are like totally out of like the whole Oscar idea mm-hmm. and kind of discuss them. But we can go from there. What 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 else came out that year? Or do you want to move on? Um, no, I think we can move on. I mean, I just kind of scratched the surface with the some of the bigger movie or you know more known movies that year that didn't didn't get nominated. But Got yeah. It. All right, but, very um, good. I will go with you. I think we both agree Mississippi Burning was the film of that year. Exactly. And and I think Alan Parker, the great Alan mm-hmm. Parker in my view, because I really respect a lot of his work, should have won the Oscar that year as well. All right, so we're going into the last year of the 1980s. Let's see what shit piles up. <laughs> All right, so Jack Nicholson, Warren Beatty this year. for Best Picture are Born on the 4th of July... A. Kitman Ho and Oliver Stone producers. Dead Poets Society, Stephen Haft, Paul Younger Witt, and Tony Thomas producers. Driving Miss Daisy, Richard D. Zanuck, and Lily Finney Zanuck producers. Field of Dreams, Lawrence Gordon and Charles Gordon producers. My Left Foot, Noel Pearson producer. Oscar goes to <laughs> Driving Miss Daisy, Richard Alright. Driving Miss Daisy wins this year. Okay, I'm gonna stop you right there because you, let's sir. let's get to the burning question here. <laughs> This was presented by one Jack Nicholson and Warren Beatty. Now, the Correct burning the question of all this is, how much pussy was seen between these two men? <laughs> more, more than Oscars have ever been passed out in the yeah, history of the Oscars. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's the burning question here. But 
Okay, regardless of my, my vulgar question, let's sure. move on. Driving Miss Daisy. Driving Miss Daisy. Here's what I think. <laughs> and it's the question that I asked, I think, for most of the uh, most of these uh, these things that we've seen so far. Why did Driving Miss Daisy win again? Remind me, please. Because in my opinion, I probably would have voted by left foot. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, this is the Rain Man cinema. It's a sentimental favorite. It's all the, the heart... Strings movie to tug your heartstrings, you know the loving, you know story between this, you know crotchety old, you know lady with the, I guess racist leanings, you know. And, yes, she does. And her, you know, her son hires her this black driver. I mean, you know the whole, you know the whole movie revolves around that relationship between he hires Jessica, God, yeah, <laughs> Jessica Tandy and Morgan Freeman. Um, not a best, not a bad movie. I'm not going to rip this movie. It's a, it's a good movie. I like it. Um, but is it the best picture of the year? I don't think I don't so. Think so. Um, this is also the first year a Saturday Night Live alum gets nominated Absolutely. for an Oscar. Dan, few people realize Dan Aykroyd was nominated for a supporting actor. Um, but no, I am going to say that this was not the best picture of ni- <laughs> 1989. Uh, um, I, I have always contended that I thought it was my left foot. I'll uh, tell you why. Okay. Okay, so I, I remember I watched My Left Foot in a theater with about 12 other people. In this movie theater, it was like fucking... And you know that when we first started, you know, when we first met, and we started, you know, hanging out and, and going to, you know, to, to movies or and checking out whatever, that we would go to these, like, fucking seedy places to kind of see films like My Left Foot, right? Mm-hmm. And you remember that there were, like, maybe 30 seats at the most, you know? So it wasn't a lot of stuff. So when I saw My Left Foot for the first time, I really... At the time, there was no internet for you to sit there and, you know, review and see the production notes and... You know, talk about the directors or anything like that. So when I saw Danielle Day-Lewis go on stage and, and receive his Oscar for Best Actor, standing up straight, not in a wheelchair, going, <laughs> I, I thought to myself, see, that's a great fucking performance. That's a great, because I believe that this mm-hmm. man was sitting in a fucking wheelchair. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was such a great film. I mean, it's such a small film, but it's, but I think it's kind of like, you know, setting the wheels in motion for what was to come going mm-hmm. into the next decade. Do I think uh, Driving Miss Daisy was the best film of the year? I do not think Driving Miss Daisy was the best film of the year. I, I actually, unlike yourself, found it quite, you know, you well, know. Yeah, we'll end it so. right there. I mean, no, I will agree that of these five nominees, it is number five for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, what are well, other nominees going, again? Going the rest of the list. I'm born on the 4th of July, which for me is... Probably, a, you know, I'm not a huge Oliver Stone fan as Understood. far as his, but this is probably my favorite of his directed films. All right, all right. Um, Dead Poet Society, again, which I think was another great movie. Um, Robin Williams nominated I think that for, was my second favorite that year, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but it boils down to these last two for me. Right. Um, I agree with you, My Left Foot. Um, of course, at the time the, I watched these Oscars, I had not seen it, and I was I could give a rat's ass at it one. <laughs> but, of course, having... You know, my curiosity got to me. I went to a you know blockbuster video. It was just taken out of the time. I rented it, watched it, and blockbuster. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> was thoroughly and thoroughly impressed with this movie. And of course, this is the movie that did introduce me to Daniel Day Lewis. Absolutely, I had never heard of this guy up until this point, and then um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant performance. But then, of course, there's well, the best you know, ever I've ever seen. Really, um, Field of Dreams is a is up there with me, and I'll tell you why. Um, it's not just a baseball film. People view it as a baseball film, Kevin Costner doing another baseball film, so on and so forth. It's not just a baseball film. I mean, you, you gotta, when you watch the movie's opening and he's narrating and he's telling you his story, 
it's a story about a man who, you know, had this, you know, if, at the time he was born, his father was already in his 50s, you know, which is why I won't have children, because you have children, you know, I'm almost, because <laughs> I'm getting close to that time. You know, you, it turns out you seem to have a terribly dysfunctional relationship with But you with should children. get laid, though. You should. Well, regardless, that's a different story. But, um, you know, so, you know, of course, you know, then his father, you know, his father dies, but Kevin Costner has this longing to connect with the father that he never connected with. And that's what this sure. movie's really all about. Because sure. when you see in the sure. end, when he refers to his father being, you know, a minor league baseball player, and he, the biggest regret Kevin Costner has in this movie overall is that he refused to, to play catch with his dad. And then the movie ends with him coming across his father as a a minor leaguer. <laughs> right? And the movie ends with him finally having that catch with his dad. Absolutely. And, and his dad, you know, they're pretending not to know each other, but when he when he's about, when they're about to walk away from each other, when he says, "Dad, want to have a catch?" I and his father just looks at him. <laughs> it, it, I love that. And it was just it was it, 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 that, that was your ET that, moment that, again, movie, right? Huh? <laughs> that was your ET moment. <laughs> it, you're, you're, I'm, you're, I'm, I'm moved as I'm sitting here in this chair again. It is. You're, it is, you're not my Richie moment, right? Because yeah. the not my Richie part in La Bamba always gets to me. But also yeah, but there's also a personal thing here because I mean, I you know I lost my father when I was only seven years old, right. and I never got to right do those things father and son do either. I mean, me, I I you know my father was a loving man, and I know I would have had a great relationship with them, but I but the same thing. I have that longing of doing the father son things I never got to do with him. Right. And this movie kind of that's where this movie kind of strikes me because it's that I even though it's in, it's in a different fashion. I have that longing connection that Kevin Costner's character has to connect with his dad. But they brilliantly intertwine baseball into the picture. You know, of course, right. the whole thing is the premise of the movie gets to build this field and shoeless Joe Jackson, all these banished. 19, 19 Chicago White Sox players get to play ball again. Right. But it's not all about that. So I mean, Field of Dreams is. It's a fantasy film, no doubt about it, but it's really up there with me. But, you know, if I'm going to go on an artistic level, my left foot, but on a sentimental level, it's Field of Dreams for me. And those are good choices because, to me, they were far better than uh, Driving Miss Daisy. And, again, I'm, I'll be blunt about it, you know. I mean, Jessica Tanney's performance was terrific. I mean, one, she has one of the best lines ever where she's like, you said you liked him. said he was handy. <laughs> It's a great line, right? Yeah, so, it is. You know, but but is is it best picture for me? It's not best picture mm-hmm. for me. And and again, it was, but but what we're starting to see here, like we said in the last couple of of, of years, you're starting to see like little films kind of sneaking in there and stuff, mm-hmm. kind of leading to what would end up happening in the 1990s. But like everything, and we've get, we've gotten to the last year. Let's just say this: the 1980s were an over priced over budgeted bunch of films that came around leading to an era where smaller films were you know the thing the, the thing of choice the audiences want demanded more of a of a of a challenge when they went to go see a film mm-hmm. and per usual hollywood got a hold of that just like the music industry does and fucked it up mm-hmm. Gary, any last words? Yes. Uh, let's just take a look at some movies that didn't make it in 1989. Sure, sure. That were big movies that year. Of course, um, this was a year Mr. Spike Lee kind of got some notoriety with Do the Right that's Thing. That's a great film, and I like mm-hmm. this film. I like that film a lot. Um, I'm not a big Spike Lee fan, mm-hmm. but that's a great film. Um, then, of course, um, another film won an Academy Award for Supporting Actor for one Denzel Washington, a movie called yes, Glory. Yes, Glory. Very good Very film. Very good movie. Um, yes. Kind of maybe throw in that mix. Um 
Another one, I mean, some people love it, some people hate it, but there was a movie called Parenthood, which kind of had an ensemble cast. Yeah, that wasn't bad. That was a Steve Martin, Martin, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the the chick flick of the year, Steel Magnolias, which kind of in, <laughs> which didn't you know kind of put Julia Roberts on the map. Um, now, now a lot of people complain that that should have been an Oscar nominated film. Nah, but I'm just saying. Um, but here's one um, surprisingly got left out of the mix this year was Woody Allen um, with Crimes and Misdemeanors. Crimes and Misdemeanors, right? Mm-hmm. Which is probably, in my opinion, his best film. One of it's, it's again, it's one of the top three I think in there. I mean, I when I look at Woody Allen films, it's probably you know, Pan and Her Sisters, Crimes and Misdemeanors, and Z League, and Crimes and Misdemeanors mm-hmm. to me is the one that's always gotten me. Yeah, my friend, mm-hmm. I thank you so much for joining me on this episode thank of you. the uh, Mister Lou's Movies and Music Reviews. Thank I you hope for that you, me. you know, my my pleasure is absolutely. I thank you so much. Um, and it's an honor to sit here in your semen stained so- <laughs> s- s- chair. Um. <laughs> awesome um, I do want to invite you to my first music review show that I'm going to do I've done four episodes on, on movies I want to do some on music and um, like I've always said I always like to cater to people that know a bit more than I do on certain things again I thank you so much my friend thank as you. always and uh, let's, uh, let's do this again the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. New to Medicare? Start now. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, MyHealthPolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. MyHealthPolicy.com. New to Medicare? Go to MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, you can compare plans from some of the nation's top insurers. Start now to find a plan and apply online. MyHealthPolicy.com makes it easy to find a Medicare Advantage plan in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. My decision, my Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com.